When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part 3. Alberson Bridge. I was momentarily confused as I stood staring at the closed door to the old barn I now faced. Not only had the almost deafening sounds of what happened at the bar left my ears ringing a bit, but the sun beaming down upon the dry, rotted wood of the ancient shack had my mind reeling. I snapped out of my pensive daze as Grant lay a hand on my arm again, causing my fragmented bones to piece themselves back together in an instant. He just gave me an awkward smile, accompanied by a shrug. He almost reminded me of a kid who just got busted doing something his folks told him not to do. That sort of half-guilty, my bad sort of look. So, uh, ouch, I said. Did you have to break every bone in the arm? I'd be sure, mate. You only responded to this lap for a second. Didn't exactly have time to experiment. After a bit of an uncomfortable stare-off with Grant darting his eyes from one side to the other in an attempt to avoid making contact with me, I started to crack up. We weren't exactly strangers to bizarre and haunting events, so it didn't take long for me to find the humor in how he had brought me back to my senses. These were the moments that reminded me of how close we'd grown. Regardless of the fact we may as well have been from different planets altogether, we had that same batshit crazy sense of humor. We met in that dingy, awful prison so many years ago, and even there we found reasons to laugh. While we were treated like garbage by our superiors in the factory job, there were always opportunities to have a bit of fun. While I had no doubt I would never see the outside of that haunting building that still wanted to drag me back, even then we laughed in the face of what it had planned for us. Perhaps had it not been for those times, I wouldn't have been able to so much as giggle after what happened back at that strange little pub, but... I had confidence in the fact that my friend had my back, just as I had his. By this point, we had Ashley still in pursuit, the mysterious Alberson Bridge ahead of us, not to mention the senior Mr. Orchid we hoped to find beyond that place. On top of that, Grant still hoped to find answers to who or what had played the part of Lucifer, someone who was apparently in league with the powers behind that maddening building. It was a lot, but I still tried to take it in stride. It couldn't get much worse than what I had already lived through, right? I didn't ask too many questions while we made our way to the highway just 20 feet or so away from the broken down old barn. I was curious how close we were to the bridge, as well as what our plans were when we got there, but I think I enjoyed the peace of being surrounded by little more than sporadic woods with the occasional vehicle speeding by on the road. After a good 10 minutes of walking, along with my curiosity getting the better of me, I asked Grant about where we were, as well as how we got there. The fact that only moments before we were drinking pints in a bar in downtown Atlanta and now we were seemingly in the middle of nowhere, having left a run-down old barn, had my mind spinning in circles. 
I'd witnessed my fair share of unusual events through my fairly chaotic life, so I probably shouldn't have been that bewildered by our circumstances, but that didn't make it any simpler. About 50 miles north of Vermont, he replied with a shrug, as though crossing the country through the back door of a pub was a perfectly natural occurrence. And? How'd your bar send us to a barn about 50 miles north of Vermont? I couldn't help but laugh while I repeated the question. Well, this is only one of many doors that leads to, depending on the combination, of course. So, I know this is your line and all, but are you taking the piss? He went on to explain that not only was there a replica of the bar in every major city across the planet, replicas that were, in fact, the very same tavern we had only just fled from, but the back door was something of a gateway. Not only could it relocate him to just about anywhere in the world, but also to many different planes of existence. I still couldn't quite wrap my mind around it, but at least he didn't talk shit about how ridiculous British slang sounded coming out of my mouth. Within close to half an hour of our hike from the broken-down old barn, we found ourselves standing right alongside the time-worn street labeled Alberson Road. When Grant knelt to begin the removal of his shoes and socks, I followed suit. In some ways, I was more nervous about potentially walking barefoot for miles than whatever awaited us at the end of the road. Even though I'd spent a great deal of time shoeless in the sand over the past couple of years, I didn't know how well my naked soles would hold up to the occasional jagged rock. Given the fact that every bit of luggage I'd brought along for the road trip was still in the backseat of my Bronco on the other side of the country, I didn't exactly have anywhere to store my shoes after slipping them off my feet. I just tied the laces together, hung them around my neck like a leathery necklace, and shoved my socks in my pocket. Grant gave me a smirk and did the same thing with his. Once we get to the bridge, we should be able to put them back on. Just watch where you step, yeah? He gave me a chuckle, gesturing to my wiggling toes with the tilt of his head. It was another one of those times where I wasn't entirely sure if he had somehow peeked into my thoughts or just knew me well enough to know where my head was at. After one more nod to confirm I was good to go, we set off down the road in pursuit of the elusive bridge, during which my friend regaled me with a bit of background knowledge on the unusual bridge. Where we're headed is not a place you'll find any maps, mate. Yeah, there'll be an occasional car driving down the road before cutting onto the next one up, but the second we cross through barefoot, we're not on the same road anymore. For all we know, there could be a veritable convoy speeding down Alberson Road as we speak, but they'd be no more aware of us than we are of them. He was speaking as casually as if he was giving me directions to a local flea market while fishing a pack of cigarettes in the pocket of his cargo shorts, inspiring me to do the same. The only town nearby is some miles away, and many who live there are well aware of the existence of the bridge. Once in a while, a carload of curious teens or... Even some sort of paranormal investigator will come out this way, but even if they do know how to get there, they'll never be inclined to walk any further once they reach it. I won't even attempt to claim everything he was saying was quite registering with me, but he most certainly kept my interest. Were it not for his responsibilities, I couldn't help but think he could have made an amazing storyteller had his destiny led him someplace else. The way he spoke, it was impossible not to be pulled into his tales. Sometimes I thought he could just 
read off the instruction manual for a new vacuum cleaner and make it sound interesting. I can't speak to reasons why those who seek it out feel no desire to walk any further once they reach the bridge to tell you the truth. Maybe they're just intoxicated by the beautiful lake running beneath it, or perhaps somewhere in the back of their minds they can sense the dangers beyond. Of course, some have managed to go on, leaving their cars deserted by the open road until they're removed. To my knowledge, there haven't been many who've crossed over into what lies beyond that bridge, but rarely do they make it back. Dangerous, I asked, suddenly feeling a little more hesitant. Grant had asked me to stay behind. Can't deny that. Of course, I assumed that was more related to the fact that we were in search of Orchid Senior, not that the road to get there would be somewhat perilous. But how casually he talked about people essentially going missing, never to be found again, I had to wonder how Orchid's goons had managed to come and go as they pleased. If nothing else, the knowledge that hired guns would be able to go back and forth made me feel far more confident that I had nothing to worry about especially with Grant by my side. The moment we crossed onto this road, we entered another plane, another level of reality. You get me? I gave a shrug and a nod to confirm. It made sense, even if this sort of thing was generally above my understanding. On the other side of the bridge, we'll descend a bit further into other realms. For the most part, I can keep you safe, though every plane comes with its own rules, for lack of a better term. It was only then, as the conversation had reached a more serious point, that I realized my friend's accent had reverted to his business voice. That, more so than the topic at hand, was what suddenly inspired my back to tense and my heart to race a bit quicker. It won't be quite as stripped down as it was at the old factory, but I most certainly won't be my full strength either. Not while I'm like this, anyway. He gestured to his body as though to introduce me to his freshly dry-cleaned meat suit. But I'll need you to stick with me, yeah? Don't wander off. Don't take your eyes off the path ahead and do what I say when I say it. You get me? He stopped in place, turning to face me with something of a stern expression on his face. I get you, man. Just trust me, mate. Always. I gave a less than enthusiastic false smile, accompanied by another shrug. I don't know if it was the full-on goofy expression my face wore while my mind still attempted to wrap around what he told me, or just the exaggerated phony grin itself, but Grant burst out laughing. Naturally, I joined in. There we were. My closest friend and I, standing barefoot on a road to a bridge nestled underneath our plane of existence, cackling like freaking idiots under the blistering sun. Though we'd been through almost literal hell together, there was just something about being around him that made me revert to the fun-loving child I never had the opportunity to be. Perhaps it was my brutal and anguished childhood that allowed me to find humor in the darker times, but I felt as though that was something we had in common. We were from two different worlds, but it was our scars, I think, that set the seeds for our friendship. Maybe some will never be able to accept that the devil himself was able to change, to become a better and braver person than most. But I know who he really was. 
He told me once that everything Grant said and did was from him, and I think I never really put all that together in my mind before this. He admitted to me the atrocities he committed so many lifetimes ago. Once the truth came out, he didn't try to portray himself as the hero of the story, only one who found a better way. I don't care who Lucifer was, but I know who he became. <sighs> Sorry, got off on a tangent again. After Grant's laid out a vague idea of some of the dangers ahead, we pushed all that to the side for a time. The walk to the bridge itself probably lasted a good two hours, but we spent the majority of that time cutting up and laughing, just like we always did. We probably went through a pack of cigarettes between the two of us throughout the course of our stroll. A casual observer would have likely thought we were headed to the damn circus, or even that we were wasted on something with how we carried on, but... Once the last began, there was no stopping them. It was like a damn floodgate of chuckles had busted open, and we couldn't remotely hold them back. I couldn't even remember the last time I'd heard so many buggers, wankers, and tossers in such a short period, but my face was hurting from laughing so much. As soon as we set foot on the wide wooden bridge, it almost felt heavenly to press my soles against the smooth planks as opposed to the rough concrete we'd been strolling across for hours. Grant had not remotely been exaggerating the beauty of the lake beneath. It looked crystal clear and so inviting that I almost gave in to the urge to leap over the railing. While he began to slip his socks and shoes back on, I just gazed over the side, taking in the gorgeous water that rippled below us. With how hard the sun had been beaming on us before, I wanted nothing more than to allow the subtle and steadily flowing rapids to guide me wherever they may. I mentioned that very idea to my friend, but he just shrugged and told me that he had no bloody idea where the river led, only that it was likely not our world to explore. Naturally, that only made me more curious, but not enough to act on the impulse to jump. Maybe another day, mate he said with a smile. I could tell he was as interested as I, but we couldn't afford to distract ourselves from the path ahead, one that I was suddenly feeling quite nervous about. It had been easy enough to speculate about the dangers ahead while we were still on the road, but now that we were in the cusp of it, I was feeling far more apprehensive. Grant sat down upon the planks while I slipped my shoes back on before we lit one final duet of smokes before moving on. Also, I think we both needed to take a minute to rest our aching legs. I can't speak to whether or not he experienced muscle aches or cramps while dressed in this meat suit, but I knew mine felt as though I'd run a damn marathon. We talked a little more as we leaned against the railing, just shooting the shit about potentially taking a more relaxing trip when all this was behind us. We hoped that it may be possible to bring Brandon along for that one too, though... Whether his girlfriend would be invited was still up for debate. It did reawaken that sadness within me while we spoke of my housemate and business partner, but I wasn't about to rule out bringing him back home. Not yet, anyway. When Grant's knees and back popped and cracked as he got back to his feet, I couldn't help but smile when mine did the same. It would seem that we were indeed more alike than I had thought, or it was simply the effect of the rules of different planes, as he had said. As we slowly paced to the end of the bridge, we pinched the cherry of our cigarettes off before sliding the butts into our pockets. 
I just did what he did on his, as I did not quite know if snuffing out a smoke on a bridge such as the one we were on would be acceptable or not. Grant stopped right at the very last plank before we could walk onto the concrete on the other side. I just looked at him while he gazed down what lay beyond. Of course, all I could see ahead of the bridge was more forest-lined road, not much different than the path we walked to get here. Still, I wasn't about to move until he did, but his hesitation was making me far more nervous than if he'd just screened for me to run at the top of his lungs. Ready? He said after a heavy sigh. As I'll ever be. Stay close to me. Keep your eyes on me at all times, no matter what you hear. If we do get split up, don't shout. Don't stop moving. But do not run. You with me? Yeah. I'm with you, brother. He gave me a single nod before stepping one foot upon the concrete. With that lone footstep, his whole body suddenly appeared blurry and out of focus almost. For a split second, I damn near allowed myself to give in to the burgeoning panic, but I managed to keep my cool. Without giving it a second thought, I placed my foot on the road beyond the bridge, but when my friend suddenly came back into focus, everything else around us was not as I expected to see at all. It felt and looked as though we were fighting our way through a horrendous hurricane. Given the fact that I had lived on a beach for two years, I was no stranger to how brutal such storms could be, but I'd never experienced anything like this. It was similar to those scientific experiments, making tornado effects with smoke. The fog was thick, but also lined in an almost turquoise haze, with the wind violently slicing through it in one direction or another. I felt my body sway and shift, threatening to send my barely controllable footsteps in any direction but the one my friend was going in. Even though he was only a foot or two ahead of me, he was hard to see through the rippling mists, as well as the thick bolts of rain beating against and around me. I wanted to call out or even just scream to convince myself I was still in control, but I was warned that'd be a bad idea. I couldn't say what the reasoning was behind this request, but I didn't need to know that, only that I shouldn't under any circumstances. I was unsure how long we'd have to travel before we reached whatever our destination was to be, but I sure could maintain this for long. It almost felt like trying to walk through waist-deep water, with the tide plowing the waves against me. Every single step required such effort. I was already winded from the short distance we'd walked so far. Though Grant had told me to keep my eyes on him, I had to fight against the urge to look around me and up to the sky. There were flashes of near-blinding light emitting from all around me, inspiring me to seek out its source, but I did what was asked of me. Well, I... I did it first, anyway. Something that seemed like lightning blasted against the ground only feet from where I pushed through the storm. My head turned before I had a chance to stop it. That's when I noticed the shadows. There were so many that my eyes couldn't even register them all, each one looking as though it was flailing its limbs against the wind and the rain. It was like being in the middle of a parade or something, as mine was the only one of so many faces in the crowd. Of course, I couldn't make out any details. Something about these silhouettes felt not entirely human. I couldn't exactly put a finger on it, aside from the fact that they looked nothing more than darker and thicker chunks of otherwise wispy and grayed fog. 
There were so damn many of them, just weaving in and out of one another's path as if this was some bustling city street. I could tell that there were some closer than others, but even the ones I felt as though I could reach out and touch looked as though they had no actual physical mass. I flash back to when my friend and I were blindfolded in the woods during the Orchid Grand Festival, and I broke my staring eyes away from those whose company we shared to see no sign of the man I'd been attempting to follow. I felt my heart skip with the realization I did not simply have the option of removing my helmet this time. I just stopped in place, cutting my gaze in every direction. I had been keeping up the same pace while I investigated my surroundings, so I was sure he couldn't have gone too far away from me. Of course, this was a rational thought, one that couldn't quite make a dent in my chaos-fueled fear at the time. He told me not to scream out, not to yell and draw attention to myself, but I hoped I could at least talk. I couldn't hear anything but the calamity of the storm around me, but I hoped my friend would be able to hear me. Grant, where are you? Only a crack of lightning responded to my words, once more striking the ground only feet from where I stood. I can't say if there was some sort of shock wave from the blast beside me or that it simply scared the shit out of me, but I almost leaped to the other side, stumbling to the ground. I pressed my palms to what I had assumed to be concrete to find a texture I'd never felt before. It was warm and sticky, flexible but firm. I had to peel my hands away from it, but it left no residue on my skin. In a way, it felt as though I'd been walking down the esophagus of some enormous creature, but I battled against allowing that visual imagery to sink in. I finally pushed back my feet before beginning to walk again, still speaking my friend's name over and over with each step. I wasn't entirely sure if I was even going in the right direction anymore, but I knew I had to keep moving. After walking for another few minutes, I felt my shoulder bump against something, almost sending me back to the ground. Whatever I hit let out some sort of grunt, though it almost caused my stomach to churn in a way the sound vibrated against the howling wind. Another hit from the side pushed me to a third from the right again, and I suddenly understood how a pinball must feel as it bounced from one obstacle to the next. I was no longer following the isolated path, but the more crowded section of the street it would seem. Regardless of the fact I was now making regular contact with whatever the silhouette things were, I could still make out no more than their somewhat deformed and inhuman shadows as I bounced from one to another. There were so many of them that I had no way of getting clear before they ran my shoulders and arms into another. I had no doubt I'd strayed from the path that my friend hoped to guide me down, nor did I believe myself to have hope of finding it again. That was until I felt a hand grip the top of my left shoulder. This way, mate. A voice I hoped belonged to Grant said directly into my ear. Though the words he spoke assured me that it was indeed who I hoped it was, the vocal tones sounded almost gargled and strained. At the time, I chalked it up to being no more than the effect of the bizarre acoustics of this place, but when he began to push me in a different direction than the one I'd been almost blindly following, I got a little more at ease with the fact that he was guiding me back to the right pathway. I'm sorry, mate. I should have done this from the beginning. No, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I got distracted. I know you told me. No worries. You're going to be just fine now. As the crowd of shadows began to thin out, I hoped we were nearing the end of our journey. Even the thick fog was beginning to dissipate as the storm calmed around us. 
I breathed a heavy and grateful sigh that this whole ordeal may finally be reaching its end when I was able to make out what appeared to be some sort of unusually shaped building ahead. It looked tall but quite thin. It leaned to one side at the base before shifting dramatically to the right in the middle. As we got closer, I realized it was not a structure, but a massive tree with a cavern-like entrance facing us. See? The voice spoke, sounding graveled and almost ancient. I told you we'd make it. The hand on my shoulder spun me around to look up at what led me away from the crowd of shadows. Mate. I could not hold back the scream that breached my lips as I looked upon the twisted face of what was certainly not my closest friend. It looked like some sort of stitched-together puppet made of flesh, what appeared to be meaty twigs and glossy red fibers pushed through the splits of the uneven threads holding it in one piece. It had thick and curly hair on the left while the right was bald as a cue ball where another stream ran down the center of its face. One eye was twice as large as the other, while the wide mouth reached from just below the long and slanted nose to where more yarn hung from where the crease of its smirk touched an upside-down ear. It looked taller than me, but hunched over, bringing us to eye level. The rags of clothing it wore were just pieced together as almost every inch of its body. The left arm hung significantly lower than the right, while more of those sticks jabbing through the gaps between the stitches. Don't scream, Michael. You're safe now. As it forced its mouth to smile even wider, the yarn holding its lips together to the smaller side popped, causing the lower lip to split and hang open like an unbuttoned pair of pants. I tried to back away, not caring if I would just have to haul ass back to the crowd of God knows what, but my first motion, it grabbed onto my shoulder again. It began to drag me toward the opening in the tree, regardless of the punches I was landing against the almost plush-feeling skin of the arm that pulled me along. Finally, as it set one parody of a human foot across the threshold of the mouth into the darkened cavern, I rammed my fingers through the wide stitches of the forearm that held onto me. It wailed a howling shriek as I spread across the loosely tied flesh, pouring the slick roots and fibers across the ground. I kicked against the midsection of the thing as I yanked myself away from it, tearing the remaining strips of skin and meaty strands with the hand still latched onto me. I wasted no times before sprinting away, leaving it echoing its anguished screams as it gathered up its bits and pieces from the sticky ground. I peeled the disembodied hand from my shoulder, tossing it to one side as soon as I got loose. I ran until the thick mist began to surround me once more, attempting to scale the outskirts of it like a wall, with the storm echoing around me once more. After reminding myself of Grant's words, I slowed my pace, hoping that my moment of weakness had not drawn any further attention. I kept on that route for what felt like 10 to 20 minutes, trying to control my pants and whispers so as not to alert anyone else to my presence. As I plundered onward, I noticed a subtle light through the fog, something I was not sure whether or not to seek out. Even with the bright stabs of lightning breaching through the sky above, that soft glow remained constant. Whether or not this would bite me in the ass, I made the semi-conscious decision to head towards it. The closer I got, the more I grew aware of the sound emitting from it. Though I was still on the outskirts of the storm, I could make out little more than the cracks of thunder and splashing of the thick droplets of rain beating against me and the ground. 
but as the light grew brighter, the louder the concerned voice of a cocky limey calling out my name sounded. Regardless of the vibrations of the thick air distorting everything else around me, the words calling out to me were unmistakably coming from my friend. I took no hesitation in speeding toward the light until I could finally make out a shape holding his glowing hand above his head. I practically tackled him, not so much as slowing down for a second until I wrapped my arms around him. I thought I'd lost you, mate, he said, folding his shivering arms around my back. I thought you did too. I replied, attempting to force out a falsified chuckle. Part 4. Beyond the Storm Through the remainder of our journey through the madness of what lay beyond Alberson Bridge, I filled Granton on how I'd gotten myself lost, along with what I had to fight against to reach him again. It would seem that once we got through what he called the worst of it, the rest was pretty easy going. The fog finally dissipated completely, as did the raging storm. I could still hear the thunder and see the flashes of lightning illuminating the world around us, but I felt my feet clapping against the concrete again before I knew it. Though I was tempted to pry more, I chose not to ask what else may be out there in that place, as I planned not to take my eyes off him on the return trip. We walked side by side, as opposed to the follow-me technique that didn't work out so well, and though my heart was still in overdrive of what I'd experienced back there, I felt so much more at ease now that I was with Grant once more. Even before I knew who he was, I still felt more assured when I was around him. I suppose that's just the effect of being in the presence of a dear and trusted friend. When the sky began to darken as though we'd strolled into the middle of a moonless night, Grant flashed his cigarettes out of his pocket once more. I took that as my cue that it was now safe to light one up myself, and that alone inspired my pulse to regulate a little more. Not at all am I endorsing smoking, boys and girls, but for a nicotine addict, it's like a damn breath of fresh air, and God knows I needed it after what I'd been through. We're close now, mate. <laughs> yeah? Close to what, exactly? That, he said, pointing toward the almost Scooby-Doo-inspired mansion on the hill off in the distance. That's the end of the road. If Orchid's out there, that's where it'll be. So, any ideas of what to expect when we get there? Not sure, but don't fret, mate. We got this, yeah? <laughs> if you say so. I gave a fairly forced chuckle, to which Grant returned that cocky smirk. If nothing else, his demeanor didn't seem tense or scared, but he was a hell of a lot less breakable than I. Still, he'd brought me back from the brink of death before, so that wasn't for nothing. Yes, I was pretty fucking terrified. I won't even attempt to lie about that fact. If someone chose to live in a place that could only be accessed by going through whatever the hell that was back there, I can only assume they were more intimidating than anything that surrounded us during that storm. I can't deny the little voice in the back of my head was quite pissed at me for not jumping at the chance to let Grant do this alone, but I knew it was the right call. No matter what power he possessed, nor the fact that I had none, except for being quite adept at kicking some ass, nobody should have to face something like this alone. He was the best friend I ever had, and I'd be damned if I would let him face this without me by his side. 
As we drew closer to the ominous building, the fairly wide open space narrowed down. Blackened and almost foreign-looking trees lined the paved road we walked on. With Grant's nod, we moved closer to the tree line, which gave me a better view of what we were facing. The mansion itself looked to be about three floors tall, not counting any potential lower levels. The walls were jet black, not indifferent from the very place we were seeking answers to, though they were not the same glossy and almost organic in appearance. There was a tall, ironwork fence surrounding a wide-open area of the house, with a fair amount of armed guards patrolling back and forth. It would seem the senior Mr. Orchid was somewhat paranoid, especially given the unique location in which he lived. I couldn't help but think that such extraordinary security measures were put in place to protect him from the very man whose company I shared. I found myself wondering how much Orchid knew about the being who sentenced his son to early damnation, or the circumstances of how he left this world. Well, the world we left behind when we entered Alberson Road. I assumed he may not have any actual idea of who truly sought him out, as he had only sent a handful of hired guns to deal with us, but that could have been no more than a trap. Maybe he was well aware of the true identity of Grant Bailey, having sent a few pawns to essentially make us think we had the upper hand. Of course, it could very well be that I was overthinking things again, as I tend to do. Admittedly, I was quite paranoid myself with everything the Orchid family had already put us through. So, I wasn't about to let my guard down, not with the eleventh hour approaching. We crouched down only fifty feet or so from the tall and hauntingly elegant gate. While I studied the movements of the guards as well as any potential openings to reach the building, I noticed Grant was acting strangely. I had to cover my mouth to prevent the gasp from escaping when I turned to see him with the forefinger and thumb of his right hand pierced through the flesh of his left forearm. Before I had the chance to inquire as to what the hell he was doing, he pulled a blood-stained key from under his skin. As he wiped the blood from the small, simple key across the leg of his shorts, I watched the hole in his arm seal back shut. No matter what I had witnessed since I met him, those were sights I don't think I'd ever get used to. Once the stains had been cleansed from the treasure he had pulled from his flesh, he held it out toward me. I gave him a puzzled look but held my hand out nonetheless. I was quite surprised when the metal didn't feel remotely sticky when he dropped it into my outstretched palm, considering where it had been previously located, but I was still very uncertain what this was all about. If anything goes wrong in there, anything at all, he said, gesturing toward the house looming over us. Slide that key into any lock. Doesn't matter if it's a door, a closet, or a bloody cabinet. As long as you can fit through it, it'll take you back to the pub. You got me? Grant, I'm not going to leave. Please, mate, I need you to agree to this. The expression he wore while he stared deeply into my eyes was one I'd only seen maybe once before. There was fear behind his gaze, something that instantly caused my heartbeat to quicken once more. I still couldn't quite find the words, as I could not imagine any scenario in which I would flee not only from my friend, but the only person who had ever had a chance of protecting me against the things I could not wrap my head around. Michael, he said, devolting back to his business voice again. I have no idea what we may face in that place. 
My words were still frozen in my throat. I was already scared, but seeing the anguish in Grant's face escalated that fear tenfold. I cannot and will not put you in harm's way. Something I've exposed you to far more than I ever wanted to. I need your word, mate. That's the deal, yeah? You do what I say when I say it. I just nodded my head, though I can't exactly say I fully intended to do what he asked. That was until he gripped his hands around my shoulders, something that still flashed my mind back to the day my father tossed me through my bedroom window. The fact that my friend knew all about that only made me realize how serious he was about this. If I tell you to run, please, Michael, I need your word that you will find the nearest lock, use the key to get to the pub, and don't look back. Make sure you remove the key and close the door behind you. I cut my eyes from him to stare at the key I held. It felt like an excuse to look away for a moment. Do you trust me, Michael? I looked at my head again, seeing the intensity having left his face, replaced with an all-too-familiar smirk. With my life, I said with an accepting nod. What you say, when you say it, you have my word, brother. Good man. He gave me a wink, accompanied by a click of the tongue, one of those things that felt like something only the English could pull off the right way. I slipped the key into my pocket, which I would pat or grope regularly to ensure it remained in place over what was to come. I still hoped it would not come down to it, but I'd given him my word. That was something I would never break, not to him. My skin was still trembling, but I had more faith in my friend than I ever had in anyone. I imagine that may yet seem bizarre, considering who he is, though even to this day I can't see Grant as anyone other than the strong and kind-hearted person I knew. Nothing would ever change that, not to me. So, I said, staring out the security staff, pacing back and forth. What's the plan? How do we get in there? Front door, mate. You're not serious. What about the guards? You're not gonna... I felt my words catch in my throat once more when I turned to see Grant with his eyes tightly shut. His jaw was clenched while his hands were both balled into fists. While I heard the first one drop to the ground, I whipped my head around once more. I felt my jaw droop almost lifelessly as every one of the guards fell out, one after the other. What? Did you... I mean, they're not... They're not dead, mate. Just sleeping it off. He was panting heavily when he spoke, which, given the fact that I'd witnessed him snapping forty fingers backward without so much as breaking a sweat, left me a little perplexed. Just give me a minute, yeah? You okay, man? I'm good. Ironically, it would have taken far less of toll to kill those buggers. He said with a laugh, still breathing heavily. <laughs> Much more tricky to knock him out for a bit. More focus, you know. Nope, <laughs> I said, returning his chuckle. I don't know, but I'll take your word for it. After a few minutes, his breathing regulated and he rolled his neck and climbed back to his feet. I followed his lead again as we casually strolled toward the tall gate before he convinced it to open with a simple flick of his wrist. The hinges screamed, causing a chill 
to run from the base of my spine to the top. As strange as it may sound, I was almost hoping for some stealthy maneuvering or even something of a fight with the guards to get in. No, I wasn't exactly rooting for any potential harm to come to either of us or the ample security team, but I was in favor of it taking us some time to find a way into the house even if more delays would have inevitably led to my body growing considerably more exhausted than it already was, I wasn't entirely prepared to come face to face with whoever or whatever we would meet in those quite eerie-looking walls. As we approached the twin doors that led into the building, I cranked my neck up to truly take in the size of the place. Though it appeared to be a good-sized mansion from where we hid behind, the trees there were most certainly a sense of dread taking root in the pit of my stomach as I took in the sheer magnitude of it. Sure, it was a little more than a ratty old shack compared to the gargantuan behemoth of a building the old factory led us to, but I still couldn't shake the foreboding of entering such a place of our own free will. Once more, Grant waved the double doors ajar, and I found my eyes meeting another wide-open room with a winding staircase on either side of the back wall. It almost appeared as though the owner of the house had modeled its design on that maddening place we almost lost our lives to. Even the inner walls were painted a similar glossy black, though they didn't seem to harbor life. Not as far as I could tell, anyway. Well, this is unsettling, Grant said, giving me a sideways look. I just nodded, finding my voice hidden behind my thumping heartbeat. So, Grant said with a mischievous smile. Up or down? No idea, I said. But this guy seems to be like a top floor kind of fella. From what I could tell from the lobby area, there appeared to be only two or three floors above us. I exhaled a grateful sigh when my eyes met the ceiling of the house and not an endless stream of upper levels. I found the place almost unnervingly quiet, as though we were its only occupants at the time. I knew better than to allow myself that false sense of security, but given the abundance of guards on the exterior, I was quite surprised to find nobody awaiting us inside, not on the ground floor anyway. The floor creaked beneath my soft footsteps, something that caught me off guard, given the vast wealth of who I assumed owned the place. Even Grant wore a puzzled look while we crept toward the staircase on the back left, with the floor panels lightly squealing with every step. We were only halfway across the room when a voice bellowed from a speaker somewhere above us. Welcome, Mr. Bailey and Mr. Borden. I could have been imagining it, but I swear the voice sounded identical to that of Jensen Orchid. Someone I knew could not be here. Of course, it's not hard to believe that a father and son could have similar mannerisms, but I suppose I expected the senior Orchid to have much more aged and weathered tone. If anything, he sounded almost lively and carefree in the way he spoke. Quite the impressive job with my exterior guards, I must say. It would seem that at least some of the rumors are true, though I'm well aware you are not who you claim to be, Mr. Bailey. You ain't seen nothing, Orchid, I yelled out far more arrogantly than I had a right to be. Grant just wrapped his fingers around my arm along with a subtle nod. I just shrugged and returned a slightly ashamed smile. And who is it that I claim to be? My friend asked aloud, having reverted to his business voice again. You tell me. Is it Grant Bailey from Liverpool, England, or is it Lucifer himself? Either way, if you will forgive my crudity, 
You're full of shit on both counts. Is that right? Grant asked. You have gifts, my boy. I cannot deny that, but... You are no devil. And what makes you so sure, Mr. Orchid? Silly boy, the voice said with a condescending chuckle. I happen to know the real Lucifer quite well. She's a close friend of mine, as a matter of fact. Perhaps you could introduce us, then. We could clear all this up face to face. There was no response. Not yet, anyway. Grant had that same intense look on his face that he wore when studying the friendly goon, Mr. Green, some years back. I knew this expression was not one of mild curiosity, but desperation to get to the root of something. Deep into the guts, the mystery at hand. My heart was still jackhammering behind my sternum while my thoughts were all over the place. Why, if he knew we had rendered his security team unconscious, would he allow us to just walk right through the front door? For what reason was he essentially shooting the shit with us over an intercom? If he was so certain that my friend wasn't what I knew him to be, why was he just casually throwing that out there? I could barely focus on one question before another leaped from the back of my mind to the front. Tell you what. The disembodied voice said after a short delay. If you can make it to the top floor where I happen to be located, I'll introduce you. She's here then, Grant asked with a slight smirk. Again, there was no response. Mr. Orchid! Grant shouted, but there was still no reply. He's fucking with us, I said. If nothing else, at least we have an answer to the up or down debate, he said, gesturing toward the steps. And with him being so damn cocky, you know he's going to have some traps set up or something. Nothing we can't handle. Just stay behind. My friend did not have a chance to finish asking me to keep the rear before the floor fell out from beneath us. In that split second of feeling my body become weightless as it soared downward, I just knew that this was the end for me. I was so mentally checked out at that point. I had no idea how far we'd fallen before Grant wrapped his arms around me, allowing his body to take the full force of the quickly halted descent to the ground below. Even with my friend providing life-saving padding for my far more fragile frame, I blacked out as soon as we hit. You alright, mate? I was still incredibly dazed when I came to with my friend's worried face being the first thing I saw when I opened my eyes again. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for saving my ass yet again. I chuckled as I sat up, straightening my back while trying to gather my bearings. He just gave me a wink, reaching his hand out to help me back to my feet. How long was I out for? Just a couple of minutes. It had me worried, though. I looked around to take in the new and unfamiliar surroundings. We stood in the center of a drab and dank wide circular room with four simple wooden doors, one to the front and rear of where we were facing and one on either side. The rounded walls looked to be constructed of smooth rock, while the ground beneath our feet was no different from the concrete pavement we'd walked barefoot across for what felt like so many hours before. The ceiling was high above and I couldn't see any signs of the opening we had dropped through, only more seamless gray slightly hidden behind the darkness. There was no direct source of light, but it was bright enough for us to see our surroundings clearly enough. Fucking 
orchids love their damn games, don't they? Probably the only way those pompous tossers can get their bloody rocks off. With the uncertainty of which, if any of the doors would lead us to where our host was located, I absentmindedly reached into my pocket for my cigarettes. I offered one to Grant, and we lit up while we debated which theoretical exit to attempt first. With how our surprising drop from somewhere above had caught us both off guard, none of us had any idea which direction we were facing in relation to where we'd entered the house. Were we able to decipher which way was which, it would likely aid us in finding our way back to the top, while any other direction could end up leading us away from the house. Of course, those were real-world ideas, and not those of wealthy, nefarious madmen. I couldn't help but laugh as my inner monologue came up with those very words as they sounded like tropes that belonged in a James Bond movie rather than the life of a regular person. Of course, many aspects of my personal history were far from regular. But you get what I'm saying, right? Maybe we should open all the doors, take a peek in each and go from there, I suggested. Can't hurt. One at a time, though. No telling if there's something nasty waiting directly behind any of them. Good call. I can't say I wasn't nervous when we pulled open that first door, with my mind's eye picturing some pack of wild animals lurking behind or even thousands of gallons of water waiting to be unleashed. When there was no more than a vacant hallway lined with some smooth, concrete walls, I allowed myself to release the breath I'd been holding. When the remaining trio was open to reveal the same thing, I let out another sigh, as this had brought us no closer to our goal. Bugger me, Grant said, heavily exhaling himself. Each hallway looked to stretch farther than either of us could make out, feeling absolutely nothing to differentiate one from the other. After some back and forth, along with one more smoke for the road, we just decided to begin walking down one at random. As soon as we were only a few feet away from the door, it slammed shut behind us, echoing the sound around where we stood. As I walked back to make a quick check if it may have remained unlocked, I practically fell back as hard to the ground when the thick concrete slab swiftly dropped down before me, sealing any of the other doors away from us indefinitely. Well, I said after spilling a mass of profanities at the top of my lungs, guess we're going this way, whether we're right or wrong. So, we walked on. We may very well have been headed back toward Alberson Bridge for all we knew, but with any choice in the matter having been locked away behind a damn concrete slab, we could only soldier onwards. If nothing else, it didn't take too long for us to reach the first obstacle in our plight to reach Orchid Senior, as well as whatever secrets he may hold about this good friend Lucifer. You're taking the sodden piss, Grant said aloud, glaring at what lay ahead. The gap in the concrete floor looked to be about 40 to 50 feet long at first glance. The closer we got to it, the grimmer our circumstances appeared. I don't know if it was the long and jagged spikes that lined the base of the pit before us that caught my attention first, or the handful of bodies in varying states of decomposition impaled upon several of them. The gaping hole looked just as deep as it did long, making me wonder if we had made the worst possible choice after all. As I stared at this impossible task, with my jaw hanging open once more, Grant was hard at work trying to put a plan together. 
When he turned his head to the ceiling, I followed his gaze to see a series of small, hand-sized rings dangling some ten feet above us. Each looked to be spaced a good five feet apart, but I couldn't help but feel they were some sorts of a red herring. I knew all too well how much the Orchid family loved to play with lower life forms such as ourselves. I somehow doubted there would be such a simple solution to this. Without a word, Grant pulled off his belt, slung it toward the first hoop, and pulled it right back when the buckle wrapped around it. With his first tug, the ring detached on one side, with the other still firmly holding in place. Maybe the one side will be enough to hold us, he said with a shrug. Or just hanging on by a thread, too, I replied. It didn't take us long to roll out scaling the pit from above. When I noticed the ladder reaching out the far end of the hole, I gave my friend a nudge, gesturing towards it. We both got down on all fours, peering over the side to see if there were another on the side that we were on. Of course not, I said with an aggravated sigh. Maybe we could drop down this side, work around the spikes, and climb out the other, Grant replied. I don't know, man. Even if there's any space between the spikes, there's a hell of a distance to drop and over the best. We glanced down at the pit again, seeing that there was some space in between, but with the angle we were looking from, as well as how deep and dark the very base of the hole was, there was no way of knowing for sure. The last thing we needed was to somehow work our way down there and end up trapped with no way out. Again, we began to puzzle this out, though our options were quite slim. Of course, when the rumbling came from behind us, I grew far more aware that we may well be shit out of luck on this one. As soon as I felt the ground shake, we both spun in place to see the concrete slab that hid our other options away from us steadily creeping in our direction, effectively giving us maybe minutes to figure out something before we would be pushed into the pit. Shit, I said. What the hell are we missing? Maybe the simple fact that the buckle wants us dead. Grant said almost nonchalantly. No, they're like games. Even as sick as those bastards are, they wouldn't put us in a no-win situation. They're fucking with us, man. There's always a punchline. Or a test. Huh? He believes his associate to be the devil, but he has his doubts, I suspect. What would you think to be one of the defining aspects of Lucifer to someone such as our dear Mr. Orchid? I, I don't know. Uh, what? Horns? Uh, forked tail? Pitchfork? Okay, A, that's racist. And two, everyone knows the devil is evil. So what? Are you supposed to, like, throw me in the pit to get by or something? He just shrugged as though this was such a simple and easy solution to our problems. <sighs> Come on. Seriously? No, made him not throwing you in the bloody pit, but I do believe it's a sacrifice scenario. With the slab edging steadily closer, my brain feebly attempting to wrap itself around what Grant was saying, I found my thoughts interrupted when my friend pushed me against the wall. He had me pinned by the arms, and I found myself momentarily freaked out by the fear that he may indeed have to toss me over to get by until... We have to put on a bit of a show, mate. He whispered into my ear while I fought to get free from his grasp. You think he's watching? Of course he is. I don't see any cameras, but I have no bloody doubt he's well aware of every move we make. You better pull your punches, I said, trying not to chuckle at the absurdity of having to stage a play for our overseer. 
He just gave a slight wink before slugging me in the gut. Fortunately, he had indeed held back, but it still caught me by surprise. After I buckled over, falsely choking and gasping for breath, I reared my hand back and punched him across the face. He backhanded me, almost causing me to lose my balance for a second as we were still close to the edge. Grant instantly reacted when he noticed my foot slip a little, pulling me back by the collar and headbutting me, just as any self-respecting Manchester United fan should be able to do. I stumbled back to the wall, thrusting my foot up to meet his midsection, causing him to hunch over and ram his head into my stomach. We were making sure to echo a resounding oof or arr with each hit and every swing. In my head, it felt like a poorly choreographed fight scene acted out by some amateur improv group, but I hoped it looked real enough to our audience. Of course, I still wasn't entirely sure what the point of all this was until Grant tackled me, landing us both on the floor right beside the ledge. When we get back up, you gotta push me over the side, he whispered. What? No, I, I can't. It'll be okay, mate. One of us has to go in, and no offense, but I bounce back a lot better than you do. Honestly, I couldn't argue. He had a point. I'd watched him get drilled full of bullets without even losing track of what he was saying, but I still winced at the idea of throwing him to what would surely be certain death for any normal person. My whole body was beginning to shudder at the very thought of what he told me to do, but I had no doubt he knew this is what had to be done. Okay, but we'll be fine, mate. You trust me, yeah? Always. With that, we wrestled back to our feet while Grant spun me in a place with his back facing the gaping mouth of the pit. We still gave false jabs at one another, even when the concrete slab only ten feet or so where we stood. He gave me a subtle nod to let him know the time had come. Though my back was as tense as the wall that was edging closer by the second, I couldn't help but take such a rare opportunity to have a bit of fun with the morbid act I was being forced to commit. This, I said, allowing my slight smirk to creep across my lips. Don't. Is, I felt a laugh attempt to rise within me, but forced it down behind the intense and angered expression I gave my closest friend. Mate, don't you fucking... Sparta! As I screamed out, I stepped back with one foot, thrusting the other into his gut, sending him careening over the side. Wanker, I heard him say before I watched an especially thick and jagged spike breach from his chest, spurting blood across the walls and onto the floor of which I stood. For a moment, I felt my heart stop. My breath caught in my throat while my head felt dizzy. Even when Grant ever so slightly raised his middle finger from the arm that hung limp beside him, my gun still churned at the sight of him just dangling there with his chest cavity spread wide. The vibration of the ground fell still as the slab stopped in place, maybe four or five feet from my back. A moment later, I felt another shuddering beneath me as a slender bridge began to work its way from my side of the pit to the one we'd quite literally fought to reach. My legs were still trembling as I carefully paced across the slim walkway, but I felt the tension in my neck begin to release when I saw Grant pulling himself up the spike that ran through him. By the time I got to the other side, he was already reaching from one of the sharp prongs to the next, having freed himself from the one that would have surely laid anyone else to rest. 
If Orchid was indeed watching from some monitor up in his tower, I imagine he would be quite befuddled by the sight of the man he thought to be an imposter climbing up the ladder to stand beside me once more. That alone gave me just as much satisfaction as seeing what was once a grizzled and bloodied gaping hole in Grant's chest having sealed itself back shut. Sparta, he said, nudging me with his elbow, wearing an expression not unlike that of an exhausted parent. I just shrugged, unable to quite locate the words while he patted down his shirt as though he were wiping dust away as opposed to adjusting the giant rip down the center. We both gave one final glance at the large pit while lighting a fresh cigarette, before moving onward once more. We couldn't know what little surprises the elder Mr. Orchid had in store for us next, but I was certain our seemingly endless day was far from reaching its conclusion. Part 1. Come Home, Michael. Bullies. Even when you let yourself get comfortable in life, there's always another one lurking in the shadows. No matter what we may accomplish, the powerful friends we grow closer to, or even the wealth we may accumulate, there's always another damn bully just waiting for the opportunity to remind us of how small and worthless we are. The events of the old mill introduced me to uh, far greater threats than I could have imagined, but I had no idea how deep the scar tissue had festered. The time I spent with my parents, Jensen Orchid, and all of his high-priced goons, and even the devil himself, could have never have prepared me for what was still to come. Perhaps those two years of stress-free living allowed me the briefest moments to think I had escaped all of the torments life had in store for me. Unfortunately, it would seem it was a little more than the calm before the storm. I hadn't told Brandon the entire truth of what happened that night. Given the revelations of who my closest and dearest friend was all along, I didn't think that would make for an easy discussion. How he awoke with no bullets buried in his chest cavity along with his regrown fingers, I just chalked up to us having been drugged by the head of the Orchid Industries. It wasn't the most well-thought-out pile of bullshit to account for the insanity of that night, but our tax-fee prize was enough to distract him from seeking out the actual truth. I'm sure he had his suspicions, but he never pushed it any further. As for Grant's disappearance, I had to get a little more inventive on that one, explaining that our mutual friend had been an undercover operative the whole time. I claimed he'd been investigating the corruption of the company for some time, ultimately leading him to spend years on the job. Given the nature of his work, he could neither stick around when the dust cleared nor enjoy a share of our winnings, as he couldn't risk exposure for future assignments. I was positive he didn't buy any of that for a minute, but he went along with it either way. When Brandon met Ashley, he grew far more at peace than I'd ever known him to be. Yes, he attended regular therapy as he was still haunted by that week, along with some rough times in his youth he'd never quite been able to get over, but he was content. I tried talking to a shrink myself once, but it wasn't for me. Maybe I'm simply not the best at talking things out, or perhaps I just prefer to write it on down before I decide if there's a remote chance my thoughts are even rational. Who knows? 
Regardless of what brought us to where we had arrived in life, we were happy. Something neither of us expected when we were younger. Even Ash had grown to feel like a sister to me, especially since she spent just about every day at the house since around the second week she and Brandon became a official couple. They weren't married yet, but I had overheard a conversation or two. Of course, I didn't let on that. I thought they may be rushing things a bit, having been only together for a few months, but it wasn't my business. Plus, I didn't want them to think I'd been snooping or anything. I loved Brandon like a brother, which not only made me feel worse about lying to him, but caused the impact of what came next to leave yet another deep and gnarled scar across my already tarnished subconscious. I'm getting ahead of myself. Apologies for that. A lot has happened since we last spoke, so to speak. I suppose I'm still dealing with a lot of it, but all may not be lost just yet. Or so I'm hoping, anyway. It wasn't Grant's arrival that night that caused things to go sideways, but it was most certainly a factor. God knows, pardon the expression, that I was absolutely thrilled to see my dearest friend again, but I wish I'd listened to his recommendation that we just met at a neutral location before heading on to that road trip. It was my fault that I convinced him to come to the house. I suppose I wanted him to see the fruits of our labor in that maddening place, along with seeing my closest friends together again. I should have just listened to him in the first place, but I don't think either of us was prepared for what lay ahead. After some back and forth, we agreed to meet at the house around 8. I had already packed up everything I hoped I would need for the time away, though I wasn't entirely sure how long we'd be gone, nor did I have any clue where we were headed. Either way, I had the Bronco loaded up with at least a good week's worth of supplies, so I had no responsibilities left for the day until Grant would arrive later that night. I was especially anxious, both in anticipation of seeing my friend as well as where our quest would lead us, so I decided to swing by the bar to kill some time. It was only four in the afternoon, but Brandon was already up on the small platform we called a stage, playing his guitar and singing directly to Ash, regardless of how many other patrons were enjoying the show. I sat on one of the bar stools and leaned back, nursing a wonderfully chilled beer while admiring the skillful strumming of my friend and business partner. As I stared off, daydreaming with the soothing musical score in the background, I became aware that someone was watching me. My eyes blinked back to reality to meet those of a gorgeous brunette at the back of the bar. She just stood there in a slinky red dress gazing at me while sipping from her glass. As her lips formed a slight half-smile, I suddenly felt inspired to approach her. I turned to the counter to set my drink down, but when I spun back around, she was gone. I looked around to seek her out, but there was absolutely no trace of the beautiful woman with the silky dark hair. Shrugging off my momentary distraction, I turned my attention back to my drink and got back to allowing my mind to wander some. Not half bad, is he? A familiar voice spoke from beside me, snapping me back to the real world once more. Holy shit, I said, immediately wrapping my arms around an old friend. An equally enthusiastic, 
Holy shit! Was called out from the stage, amplified by the microphone Brandon had been reciting the lyrics to Sweet Child of Mine into, accompanied by the sound of his guitar practically being dropped to the floor. Before I knew it, the three of us were huddled up at the bar in some awkward manner of a group hug. I hadn't even told Brandon that Grant was going to be in town, only that I was planning a small get-together at the house later. Even after I released my arms around my old mate, Brandon still gripped him tightly. Given that the two hadn't seen each other since that crazy week came to its bloody conclusion, I couldn't blame them for the enthusiasm. You must be the infamous Grant, Ash said with a chuckle as she wandered over. How'd you know? Brandon asked, finally ending his embrace. Well, I guess the ponytail sort of gave it away, she replied, still giggling softly. Grant put on the best humble gentleman routine, bowing his head to her before lifting her hand to his mouth, giving it a small peck of his lips. We all laughed at his attempt to come off all dignified and such, but I couldn't help but notice Ashley's cheeks reddening a bit. For the next few hours, we drank, smoked, and laughed, not unlike those brief moments of joy over our week away from life as we knew it at the expense of Orchid Industries. It felt so good to catch up though Grant couldn't exactly divulge too much of his day-to-day life over the past two years, especially around Brandon and Ash. After a while, we headed back to the house from where my friend and I planned to leave out early the following morning. Given that my head was already swimming from the alcohol, I was thinking it may not be quite early as we had previously discussed after all. Bloody nice place you got here, boys, he said after taking the tour. Not too shabby, right? Brandon said. It wasn't until we gathered at the quite sizable living room while discussing whether or not we wanted to take some drinks out to the pool or the beach that Ashley interrupted out of the blue. Now that I have you all here, I have an announcement to make. She was smiling while she spoke, but something had changed in her eyes that I couldn't quite put my finger on at the time. Grant and I looked at each other and I assumed we were on the same page, that... She may be about to reveal that she and Brandon were engaged, but when I turned to him, he looked a bit confused himself, and even a little unsettled. I thought I may have been reading entirely too much into things, but when she spoke again, I couldn't think of a single word to respond. It's time for you all to come home. Uh, we are home, babe. Brandon said, glancing back at Grant as if to reassure himself. This isn't where you belong, she said, as the lights began to flicker. Not anymore. Ash, what are you talking about? I didn't have a chance to finish my question before all the ground started shuddering tipping lamps to the ground while causing picture frames to fall. You belong with me. Her eyes darkened to a glossy black, the same color the walls had begun to bleed. The entire house was quaking while the room transformed before my eyes. As Ashley's skin paled, darkened veins lined behind her almost translucent flesh, each visibly throbbing, while her voice deepened into something haunting, foreign from who I thought her to be. Even the tattoos across her arms and chest appeared to be morphing into something else. It's time to come home now. 
as the walls completed their transition to the same pulsating glossy black that lined the halls and rooms of the building we almost lost our lives in, I could feel the voice, not only from the now barely recognizable girl who had spent the last months in our company, but calling out from within me as well. Michael! Grant shouted. Brandon, we have to get out of here! I could barely make out his words above the shuddering of the entire house, which now sprouted a seemingly endless stairway to the rear of the living room as the ceiling skyrocketed upwards and out of view. Come with me. Come back to me. She outstretched her hands, cutting her blackened eyes between the each of us, one by one. Back home. Where you belong. Brandon almost seemed in a trance as he paced toward her, reaching his hands out as he neared. Brandon, no! I grabbed him by the shoulder, but I couldn't do much as to cause him to hesitate. Even when Grant reached for him, he would not stop pacing one foot in front of the next. Back home, he said, almost breathing out the words, barely more than a whisper. Damn it, Brandon, snap out of it! Grant and I both practically tackled him, but we couldn't so much as force him to miss a single step. We both skidded our feet against the floor, attempting to pull him back, but this only served to drag us closer with him. Don't be afraid. Just come home. As soon as Brandon's fingers intertwined with those of what used to be his girlfriend, he took his place beside her, his own eyes mimicking her empty stare. Come home, Michael. Both voices spoke, now echoing that haunting tone. Come home, Grant. They each outstretched their hands toward us as I fought not to be pulled in like Brandon had. We have to go, mate, Grant said, grabbing me by the arm. We can't leave him like this, I said, feeling my heart race with pure and exhilarated panic. He's already gone. We can't- I won't fucking leave him! I screamed, turning to meet the gaze of my friend. He grabbed me by the shoulder, staring deep into my eyes. I tried to turn to face the approaching husks of what were once my two dearest friends, but Grant screamed my name once more, pulling my attention back to him. If we don't leave now, they'll pull us back with them. The horrendously vibrating floor and walls were beginning to make me feel queasy. That, along with the haunting twin voices calling out from somewhere beyond my subconscious. We can't help them if we're dragged back there too, Grant said with a frenzied panic in his voice. I could feel the outstretched arms drawing closer as the words that echoed through my mind and body began to seduce me. Michael, I heard from somewhere in the distance. Michael, we have to go now. The voice was further away now, somewhere beyond the reach of the only words that mattered. I had to go back home. Michael, wake the fuck up! I felt a sting on the side of my face. Where did that come from, I thought, as I began to pace toward those who had returned to me where I belonged. That's right. There's nothing to fear. Come home, Michael. Haven't you bloody wankers? Snap out of it! Another sharp pain, far more intense than the last. The other voice was getting closer again. I knew that voice. Grant. That was my friend, Grant. I felt my mind escaping the clutch of those droning and haunting tones. My eyes regained their focus on the two blank and sunken faces, only feet from where I stood, dropping my arm back to my side. You with me, mate? 
He was panting, sweat practically pouring from his brow. Yeah, I'm with you, man. He gave me a nod before outstretching his hand, not toward those who still edged closer by the second, but in the direction of where I thought the front door to my house to have once been located. The glossy black wall violently shuddered far more aggressively than the others that lined the room, which appeared to be growing more monstrous with every passing moment. No! The twin voices screamed in a shrill chorus, practically causing nausea I had been experiencing to drop me to the trembling floor. Grant grabbed me by the shirt, pulling me away from the two who quickened their pace toward us while cracks formed across the violently shuddering wall. As I looked back at Brandon one last time, practically begging him to break free of this maddening spell, an explosion forced my attention back to where my other friend stood, now pulling me in the direction of the fresh opening to the outside world. But Brandon, we can get him back, mate. I, I hope, anyway. We ran side by side to the midnight blue Bronco while I dug around in my pocket, praying it still held my keys within. We can't just leave them like this, I said, feeling my heart skip when I wrapped my fingers around the keychain. We can't help them if we're sucked in too, mate. As we climbed into the large SUV, I cranked to the engine, flipped the shifter in reverse, and reluctantly pressed the pedal down. As I slammed on the brakes, spinning free from the lengthy driveway while pointing the hood in the direction of the open road ahead, I took one last glance back at the house I shared with my friend and business partner. Even its exterior looked like a shrunken carbon copy of that enormous and horrifying building I still see in my nightmares. The gargoyles perched upon the roof almost appeared to be gazing right into my own quivering eyes. I watched Brandon and Ash strolling hand in hand through the opening Grant had made to allow us to escape. They each still held one arm out while they echoed their deepened and haunted words. Please, come home, Michael. I couldn't deny there was a part of me that almost begged me to return, pleaded for me to allow them to lead me back home before giving them a second opportunity to pull me back in. I once more forced the accelerator pedal to the floor, speeding away from the house I once shared with a dear friend, someone I swore I would find a way to rescue. For the next hour or so, Grant nor I spoke a single word to each other. I couldn't speak for my friend, but I, for one, couldn't even think of anything to say. I had no idea what direction we were headed, nor if I was even going the right way at the time, but the radio was still cranked high from the last time I was in the car. I was happy for the distraction, even if my ears were still ringing from the events I would have never escaped without Grant's intervention. It almost got me too, mate. I glanced over to the passenger seat, both surprised by his words and curious at the same time. I could hear them in my head, and... Fuck him, he made it. I almost gave into it myself. Seriously? Not only did my knowledge of who and what Grant truly was make me assume he would be immune to what caused me to lose my senses, but his words made me even more intimidated by it. I think we may have left a piece of ourselves in that place. It's powerful, mate. Far more so than I. But what you did, I mean, you opened the door to hell in that place. It was so powerful, how could... That wasn't the building itself. 
I think it was some sort of, I don't know, maybe a sort of a waiting room or something that connected it directly to this world. When we were in the heart of that ruddy place, it was powerless. It wasn't until we crossed into the hallway I felt it coming back. Even back at your place, it took everything I had to blow that wall out. Wait. So when we were all beat to shit, you were... Just a man. Yeah. It stripped me down. Scared the shit out of me, too. I laughed. I wasn't sure what inspired me to give that particular reaction to this revelation, but it seemed to fit the madness of it all. Grant gave me a slightly annoyed look before he cracked up, too. So you were pretending to just be an average asshole that whole time, I said, still grasping for breath between belly laughs. And that bitch turned you into one. Isn't that ironic? Don't you think? Grant replied, wiping tears from his eyes in between chuckles. It was most certainly a strange topic to have inspired such random levity to an otherwise painful and brutal night, but it finally allowed me to begin accept what happened in an attempt to find a way to move on. We'll get him back, mate, he said after our laughter died down, leaving only the radio keeping the silence at bay. Do you really think we have a chance in hell pulling that off? I don't know, mate, but if a chance in hell is what we need, I've got it covered. <laughs> Cute. I thought so. He chuckled again, inspiring me to join in once more. Once upon a time, I never could have imagined I would find a reason to laugh when faced with such insanity, but I never could have planned for having the devil himself as my closest friend either. Perhaps it was just the fact that I'd been through far more than my fair share of extreme situations that allowed me to find a way back from things so traumatic they may have left someone far less experienced in a catatonic state. So, where exactly are we going anyway? I asked when we settled down from our moment of borderline losing our damn minds. For tonight I'm thinking we find a hotel. I don't know about you, but I'm bloody exhausted. Do you... I mean, no offense at all, but... Do you actually need sleep? It felt strange to ask such a question, especially to someone who I'd known to sleep a lot during our time before I knew the truth. I suppose I hadn't considered these kinds of things, even over the last couple of years, but this was the most substantial time we'd spent together since I got to peek behind the curtain. When I'm in this, he said, patting himself on the chest, I require just about everything a human body needs, if that makes sense. He spoke almost nonchalantly, as though this was a perfectly average conversation. So, um, that's not you. I mean, I'm not necessarily looking at, like, the real you right now. Mate, this is me. He held his hand to his heart again. Think of this like nothing more than a change of clothes in a way. So are you, I don't know, like, possessing someone right now? I chuckled at the question, but it was more from how awkward it felt than from being actually funny. <laughs> it's not like that, he laughed, far more genuinely than I. This is a sort of an empty husk, for lack of a better term. I step inside it, and I'm Grant. But I'm also, well, me. So, do you have like a closet of Grant suits? 
My chocolate was far more real this time. Oh yeah, just like my day of the week undies. We were still laughing while I drifted onto the nearest exit in search of a hotel for the night. Within minutes, we were driving alongside everything from roadside motels to far more classy multi-level hotels. After arranging two rooms for the night at one of the more fancy locations, I gave my friend one last hug before turning into my room across the hall from his. I missed the hell out of you, man, I said. It had been a rough day, and I was still terrified of what lay ahead as well as whether or not we would be able to bring Brandon back. Still, it felt good to have Grant by my side again. Yes, between Orchid Sr. and whatever Ashley had become, we had our work cut out for us, but I hoped we could pull it off. Yeah, mate. You too, he replied before walking through his door. As soon as I let myself fall upon the plush mattress, I realized how exhausted I was, both mentally and physically. I allowed the weight of potentially losing Brandon to consume me for a moment. I attempted to keep the moans that accompanied the tears silent when I let them loose, but once they kicked in, I couldn't even hope to contain them. I pounded my fist against the soft mattress while trying my hardest not to scream out from the pain in my chest. After some time, I managed to convince myself to settle back down, but I would not accept this loss, not without a fight. Even if the powers behind that building could strip Grant of his gifts, I still had faith that we could find a way to bring our friend home. With that very conviction in the back of my mind, I allowed the throbbing in my chest to dissipate. What tomorrow may hold, well, surely it couldn't be any worse than what this day had presented us with. That was my hope, anyway. Of course, things are never that simple. Part 2. Uninvited Guests and a Brief Interlude The chaos of the previous day's events was still fresh in my mind when I finally opened my eyes the following early afternoon. I'd grown so content with my life that I'd almost forgotten how much these things can take their toll. My heart throbbed with the fear of whether or not we would be able to bring our friend home, and I felt little drive to pull myself free from the comfortable hotel bed. Still, I knew that my only chance in finding some semblance of hope would be to put on a brave face and deal with whatever comes next. I headed over to Grant's room after taking a quick shower and getting dressed. When I knocked on his door off and on for a few minutes to receive no answer, I just shrugged it off and returned to my room. I had no way of knowing if he'd headed out for a bit or if he may have still been sleeping. I still wasn't entirely sure what sort of maintenance his husk required, but that was the least crucial of the many questions I hoped to be able to ask him someday. I ordered some room service lunch while I lounged around in my temporary living quarters for a bit. I was still doing my best to force my mind to escape these most recent troubles as well as those from my many years gone by which still caused me to wake in the middle of the night on occasion. I inspected my luggage and coat after feeling the urge to make sure I hadn't left anything behind. Before flipping on the TV to distract myself in any way I could, I was still somewhat mentally vacant as I blankly stared at whatever show had attempted to secure my interest 
when a veritable pounding on the door caused me to snap back to reality. We have to go, Grant said, his face reddened. What's now, Michael? I stared to head back to the bedroom to gather my things, but he grabbed me by the arm and pulled me toward the elevator in the center of the hallway. As the door closed before my eyes, I saw several men in suits running toward us. What the hell, Grant? I asked, gasping for breath. Safe to say they found us, he replied, panting a little himself. But they just looked like men. Surely you... As soon as the door opened, my friend darted through. Hurry, Michael! I raced after him toward the front door of the lobby. Just as we cleared the opening, I heard voices shouting after us. I turned to see the six bulky men in black suits, wearing sunglasses and leather gloves, each reaching into their jackets, likely to draw their weapons. Each of the men was quite large, but I was sure I could handle at least one or two of them. Of course, I was certain Grant could take all of them with one hand tied behind his back. Where are we going? I called out to Grant, who veered away from the parking lot. Just trust me. I heard the scampering men drawing closer to my rear while my friend ducked into an alleyway to the left, a good distance from the hotel we'd spent the night in. As soon as I rounded the corner, I saw Grant had stopped, but still waved me onward. He practically pushed me behind the dumpster beside him before taking his place where he stood in the center of the narrow walkway. Though I assumed his forcing me out of the way was to ensure my safety when our pursuers rounded the corner, I still peered around to see what was happening. Get on your knees, the broad-shouldered guy with the buzz cut in front called out, training his gun on my friend. <laughs> Bad move, buddy boy, I thought, chuckling to myself as I realized why Grant had led us away from the public. I watched on while my friend placed his hands behind his back. A stance I'd come to see is one that should scare the shit out of those he faced. Though his stature didn't quite have that same intimidation factor as it did when he wore the pinstriped suit for some reason, he still appeared as one who should not be fucked with, dressed in his blue flannel shirt and holy jeans. How did you locate us? He said to the man who still yelled for him to drop to the concrete after reverting to what I have grown to call his down-to-business voice. Get down on the ground, asshole, or I'm gonna... The apparent leader of the flock of well-dressed men fell silent to the tune of a quick succession of snapping sounds, which echoed against the walls of the slender alley. It was nothing as dramatic as you see in movies, and wasn't as if his head suddenly spun in place to face those who stood behind him. It was more like his eyes grew wide for a second, before life drained from his face and just hit the ground. I couldn't honestly say which of his bones broke with the flick of my friend's wrists, but they put an end to the bastard before he could even finish his words. Of course, it may have well been every single bone in his body as he dropped like a sack of jello. Either way, this inspired the almost too predictable actions of the man's associates to open fire on Grant. Once upon a time, this would have terrified me, but now it only brought something of a smile to my face. After each bullet drilled into my friend, he fell motionless to the concrete. I felt my heart skip a beat for a second, but it was swiftly put back to rest when Grant gave me a wink from where he lay, supposedly bleeding to death. I suppose I couldn't blame him, as there's no telling how many innocent lives could have fallen victim to what these individuals had in store for us had we not fled the bustling hotel. How did he do that, Clint? Is he dead? Where'd the other one go? Go check on that one. 
Fuck you, you go check on him. The voices of the five remaining men were erratically talking over each other, and even though each of their guns sounded to have some sort of suppressor attached, I was sure that someone outside the alley could have heard the commotion. When I heard footsteps coming closer to where I still hid, I couldn't help but find my friend's imitation of a dead man to be quite convincing. Still, he deserved to enjoy himself a bit. He'd been looking stressed since he arrived at the bar. As the one who approached nugged Grant with his foot, I almost jumped out of my skin as much as he did when my friend wrapped his fingers around his ankle. As soon as the man aimed his gun at the supposedly deceased guy on the ground, Grant just raised straight up to a standing position like Dracula from his coffin, still gripping his assailant by the ankle before slinging him back toward the others. As I had years before, I watched on while the holes that had riddled my friend's torso sealed themselves back shut, dropping the spent bullets onto the concrete. Before any of his attackers could fire on him again, a wave of his hand caused the guns to smack against the wall while the men gazed on with their collective mouths hanging limp. Now, Grant said, still speaking in his upper-class business voice, how did you know where to find us, and how may I locate your employer? His question was only met with whimpers and begs for mercy, to which he looked somewhat exhausted almost immediately. Please stop that. All I need from you is answers. Give me that and I won't hurt you. Please, several voices said, overlapping one another. Like I said, answers. That's all I... Oh, stop it! Grant's frustration with the five weeping men was only escalating, and they seemed incapable of forming any legible words at the time. Just let us go. The whining man was silenced when Grant slapped his hands back together before swatting his left upwards, raising the quintet from the ground back into a standing position. He outstretched his right hand, instantly causing the closest of the men to quickly float toward my friend, who clutched his fingers around the man's throat when he was close enough. Look, mate, you're going to give me some bloody answers or I'm going to squeeze your neck until your buddy head pops off. You get me? Even I felt my neck tense up when Grant began to lose his cool. As intimidating as his proper voice sounded, him suddenly returning to a very pissed-off limey with an unimaginable power was honestly a little terrifying. I get you. The trembling man with freshly soiled dress pants stuttered through a shallow breath. Grant released his grip, dropping the man back to his feet before gesturing for his associates to come closer. They each looked at one another before walking forward on trembling legs, still whimpering slightly, but seemingly attempting to compose themselves. It would appear they were not quite informed about what they would be facing when they were sent out on this little mission. Orchid. Jeremiah Orchid sent... I know who sent you. What I would like to know is where do I find him. I... I, I can't tell you that. And why not? The man was visibly shivering while his associates whispered their demands that he remained silent. He'll, he'll kill me. My, my family. I can't. Were you not charged with taking me to him anyway? We were supposed to, to kill me. The trembling man simply nodded, barely able to control his voice anymore. Grant just stared into his face, not unlike how he did Chuck back in that ungodly place what felt like decades ago. I'm sure by this point anyway you know that this is something you cannot accomplish, yes? 
He nodded once more with his lower lip quivering. I imagine it can be taken for granted that those who sent you knew this as well, yes? Another nod, mimicked by all the men charged with this ill-fated mission. Grant smiled at the shaking man before waving his hand for the others to come even closer. They reluctantly paced forward again, looking as though they were about to lose control of their senses at any moment. Relax, yeah? Grant said when he had all of them gathered in front of him. You guys are just doing a job, I get that, but my friend and I have something of a responsibility to sort this out also. He gestured with his head for the men to follow him as we walked to where their fallen comrade lay. When he crouched down beside the man whose twisted body lay still, he lay a hand on his chest, causing the empty shell to twitch and contort, while the sounds of bones snapping back into place echoed across the length of the slender alleyway. I finally climbed up from my hiding spot and walked up to my friend's side just in time to see the stranger open his eyes. He gazed up at Grant, both horrified and somewhat in awe of who he looked upon. When my friend held his hand out toward him, he raised his trembling fingers to meet it. Once he'd been held back up to his feet, his companions wore a completely dumbstruck look on their faces, but I couldn't help but smile. Even though I knew what Grant was capable of, I don't think I could ever get used to seeing him in action. Alright, look guys. Your boss sent you on a suicide mission here, he said, cutting his eyes between each of the men who had planned to see us dead. I can't say what his motivation for charging you with this were, but I have to assume he wants me to know where to find him. They all looked at each other, whispering words I couldn't make out, but I felt secure in the knowledge that they weren't about to attempt to take up arms again. Not now. Not with what they'd seen. C can, can you protect our families? The man who had recently rejoined the living asked, still shuddering from head to toe. I can't make promises on that, mate. I'm truly sorry about that. But should I be able to locate Orchid, I will most certainly make sure he can never bring harm to anyone else ever again. If I can get to him soon enough, perhaps. Alverson Bridge, the guy who my friend had levitated in his direction, said while his friends appeared somewhat reluctant still. Grant looked almost stunned for a moment, seemingly taken aback by this location. You're sure? Yeah, man, I, I mean, sir. We only met with him on occasion, but we'd always have to walk that damned bridge to get to his house. One of the other guys who had previously spoken in the whimpers said, This place is only a few miles past it, up on a hill. You can only get there on foot, Grant said, interrupting the man's words. I know the rules of the place. The group of hired guns talked back and forth with my friend for a few minutes, but they didn't have much more in the way of useful information to offer. Yes, they warned us of the veritable horde of well-armed security guards at Orchard's senior multi-level mansion located some miles past Alberson, but guns and guards shouldn't be much of a problem for Grant. Still, my pulse was quickened at the idea of what else may be waiting for us when we got there. <sighs> You boys get back home to your families and get them as far away from all this as you can. They all nodded in unison while a few of them were practically kissing Grant's ass with gratitude for sparing them. These were the times that showed me the true nature of my friend. Likely these men had done some bad shit in their lives, but Grant was letting them go. 
As they turned to run out of the alley, leaving their guns scattered across the concrete, my friend called out to them one last time. Hey! The men spun in place, each looking downright terrified they'd not yet escaped their lives. Make better choices, yeah? If you don't, we will most certainly meet again, and next time, I may not be so forgiving. He gave them a childlike grin with a wink before they ran off. I hoped they would take this rare opportunity to forge a more honest life for themselves. It's not every day the devil gives someone a second chance. Once we were alone in the alley, Grant grabbed the guns and threw them in the dumpster I'd hidden behind. He shifted a couple of trash bags around to conceal the weapons beneath, but he still looked mentally checked out while he worked. Once that was done, he just nodded his head for me to follow him. We grabbed anything we'd left in the hotel room, loaded up the Bronco, and hit the road once more, still without speaking a word. I can't ask you to come with me on this, mate, he said, after a good half hour of being back on the interstate. You don't have to ask me, man, I replied with a half smile. That's the thing, mate, I can't ask, as in I won't ask. I just cupped my eyes at him before turning back to the road ahead, tilting my head, feeling somewhat confused as to what he was getting at. It's far too dangerous, he said. I can't guarantee your safety on this one. I don't even know if... Grant, I said, still keeping my eyes ahead. For one, until we get this shit sorted out, I got nowhere else to go. Two, I'm not leaving, not to let you head into this alone. But I'm, I know what you are. I know who you are. But I know what else you are, too. And what's that? My friend. My brother. You're not alone in this, mate. I gave him a mischievous smile, knowing full well my ability to pull off mate in a sentence had not improved since our last meeting. He just chuckled, shaking his head side to side. Stubborn bloody wanker. Ew, I replied. Bloody wanker? That's gross. Having finally convinced my friend that I had no intention of allowing him to face whatever had him so rattled alone, he requested that I head to the nearest city. The fact that he didn't care which one we were closest to led me to the fear that he still may be attempting to ditch me before taking off on his own, leaving me with no clue as to where he was headed. As it turned out... That was not his plan at all. When I pulled onto the exit to downtown Atlanta, Grant directed me this way and that. Left here, right there, carry on for a few miles and turn again. Were it not for his navigation, I would have been so lost that I'd perhaps never find my way back to the interstate. Not without having to refuel an extra time or two. I hadn't always been the most well-traveled individual, having spent close to a decade behind bars, as well as those couple of blissful years by the beach, so I wasn't familiar with this city in the least. When I was finally directed to pull into a lone, vacant parking space in front of what looked to be a long, since-abandoned bar on the street corner, I couldn't help but wonder why this was to be our destination. Another unusual aspect of this whole scenario was that every other parking space, along with this particular stretch of road, had a vehicle of one kind or another between its twin white lines. Yes, this tavern looked as though it closed its doors some years ago, but I still couldn't rationalize why nobody may have chosen to at least take the spot in front of it. 
Grant didn't even have to unlock the door to the old building. He just strolled on in like he owned the joint. Of course, it would seem that was precisely the case. When I walked in, I didn't look upon an ancient and forgotten place covered with cobwebs and dust, but a very nice-looking, albeit quite small, corner bar. There were stools at the counter, a handful of tables with tall chairs propped at their sides, and even fully operational neon signs bearing the name of one alcohol brand or another. Be right back. Got to change into some less bullet-riddled clothes, he said, pushing his way through a door behind the counter. After a few minutes, he returned wearing a Pink Floyd shirt and some khaki cargo shorts. He leaned down behind the bar, fished a couple of glasses from underneath, and placed them on the counter along with an ashtray before pouring us each a pint. When he lit up a cigarette, it finally hit me that I hadn't smoked even once since I got out of bed that morning, a situation that I felt inspired to remedy as soon as I saw my friend light up one for himself. I sat upon the surprisingly comfortable bar stool, took a swig from my fresh pint, and deeply inhaled from my cigarette. I was still somewhat perplexed by the strange little place, but there was something so warm and inviting about it. Though it looked ancient and somewhat run down from the outside, the beer tasted both fresh and chilled. It was damn refreshing, too. Grant chugged down about half his glass before planting his ass on a stool behind the bar. I was still gazing around the room, puffing away in between lining of my upper lip with foamy beer mustache, wiping it off with the back of my hand and repeating the process once again. Yes, I was pretty confused about the bar I inhabited with my best friend, as well as the lingering questions about what the hell Alberson Bridge had to do with the price of a free beer. Not to mention, I was still concerned about what happened to Brandon after leaving our home at the beach in the dust, but my mind couldn't figure out the best place to start on any of this. Fortunately, Grant was one step ahead, as usual, it would seem. Used to do business here. Still do on occasion, but not in the same way I used to do things. He was darting his eyes around the room as he spoke, seemingly feeling nostalgic. Business? Like, deals and such? Well, it's not exactly as cut and dry as that, but yeah. So you still make deals for people's souls? I didn't mean to be so blunt, but for a devil who claims to have changed his nefarious ways, I couldn't help but feel like this was a bit of a contradictory concept. Not so much. Not anymore, anyway. He said with a chuckle. Don't get me wrong. I still play the occasional trick on some of the more awful and downright evil buggers out there. Monkey's paw deals and the like, but I try to help those who have good intentions. I gave him somewhat of a confused look, Almost as much lost for words at how casually he was discussing something like this, as well as the implications of it all. He just gave me that classic smirk and said, I don't claim souls for good people, mate. Not anymore. I spent a lot of time trying to right a lot of the wrongs I've done over the centuries. Sometimes I'll find alternate options to help them. Other times I'll try to convince them they don't need my help. It's not always easy. But change never happens overnight. I couldn't help but smile when he spoke. There was something almost childlike to his face when he talked about things that were far above my pay grade. It felt as though he was getting away with sharing a secret he wasn't supposed to reveal. I can't say I wasn't tempted to pry a little more, of course. It wasn't long ago that all he would tell me was that he couldn't tell me much, but 
I didn't want to push him. I'd never had much luck getting him to share, even when he was just a cocky limey I shared a cell with. We sat in silence for a few minutes as we both sipped from our glasses. I still had so many questions I wanted to ask, but at the same time, I was enjoying this brief moment of peace. We hadn't had much of an opportunity to relax, not since things went haywire back in my home, and I think we both needed a moment to wrap our minds around all that had gone down, as well as what was to come. Unfortunately, those were things I needed to ask about, regardless of how relaxed I was growing. So, I said, bringing Grant's attention back from the stare down he was having with something in the middle of nowhere. What's the deal with Alberson Bridge? Alberson is, well, an unusual place. Given the bizarre things I'd witnessed in my friend's company, for him to consider something as unusual was saying something. Still, I would neither comment nor interrupt while he spoke, as his words were once more reverted to his business voice. I couldn't help but wonder sometimes which of the two was his genuine voice. Of course, it's far more likely that it's neither of those I'd heard so far, only those that came with this human-shaped suit. Either way, I knew when he began to speak like this, shit was getting serious. The bridge itself is some miles behind a small town on the other side of the country. The name of the town itself is of little importance as the bridge itself were long before any buildings were erected nearby. Many of the town's residents know of the bridge as well as the fact that it's only accessible on foot, but very few have ever followed that path after coming across a quite remarkable lake that flows beneath the bridge. I gave him a moderately confused look, or I'm fairly certain I did, as I was thoroughly perplexed by what he was saying. Sure, it's not hard to believe that some places can only be reached on foot, as you can't squeeze a vehicle everywhere, but it didn't seem as if he was talking about thin trails and backwoods, or hidden streets tucked away behind slender alleyways. You see, if you drive a car, or even a bicycle up Alberson Road, he said with wide eyes and his classic smirk. He would simply arrive at a T-junction, where the road meets Benson Way after a couple of miles. On foot, wearing neither shoes nor socks, however, the road goes on for considerably longer, eventually leading to Alberson Bridge. Had I been told about something like this some years back, there's absolutely no way in hell I would have believed it. It's quite safe to say I've developed something of a more open mind than I used to have, of course. Naturally, even though I have complete faith in my friend, there was one specific aspect to this whole ordeal that I still couldn't quite figure out. So, this place is on the other side of the country, yeah? I asked, to which Grant formed an almost sneaky grin across his face, obviously fully understanding what my concern was. Why did we come here, then? He replied, having returned to his normal speaking voice. Well, yeah, I shrugged. He just nodded his head to the single door at the back of the bar, wearing an expression that didn't read as one I would associate with playing some sort of prank. Sure, I had witnessed him jab a doorknob into thin air, effectively splitting the world open, but could this little tavern in the middle of downtown Atlanta, Georgia, send us so many miles away? I just 
stared at the door as though it was about to give me some sort of fantastical sneak peek of anything other than likely dingy back alley that ran behind the building my friend and I occupied at the time. Unfortunately, neither my half-mentally vacant stare nor the refreshing pint I'd almost cleaned off was enough to prevent me from damn near leaping out of my seat when someone pounded heavily on the front door. It looked as though all the color drained from Grant's face as we both cut our eyes toward the entrance. We gotta move, mate, he said, placing his palms on the bar to leap over. He sped to the payphone that was mounted on the wall next to the back door, reaching for the phone book that dangled from a chain below it. As he began leafing through the pages, I asked, What are you doing? Do we need to head out? Not until I find where we're headed. Huh? Just trust me, mate. The second he pulled the phone from its cradle, the front door practically blew off its hinges. The shockwave from whatever the hell threw it open knocked me to the floor, while Grant still wouldn't break his focus from the task at hand. He danced his fingertips across the keypad, entering far more numbers than any phone number should require. It's time to come home, boys. A familiar voice spoke from the doorway. I felt my whole body begin to tremble as I raised back up to the hardwood floor, while my eyes could not look away from Ashley, who held both her hands outstretched toward me. You don't belong here anymore. Come home, Michael. Don't look at her! Grant screamed out, finally latching the phone. I was aware that I was lifting myself from the floor, but I didn't feel as though I was actually in control of my body at the time. While my legs began to march toward the girl I'd once considered a friend, my mind was begging to take the wheel again. Grant, I muttered, barely grasping onto my ability to speak. I can't stop. Before I had a chance to finish what I was saying, I felt the fingers of my friend wrapping around my upper arm, spinning me in place to face him. Stay with me, mate, he said, slapping me hard across the face. For that split second of sharp pain, reaching across the skin of my cheek, my mind slipped back into my body. Michael, come home. Please. Her voice sounded as though it whispered directly into my ear while my brain once more struggled to force my legs to move. Grant dragged me closer to the door at the back of the bar, but I still felt as though everything inside me was fighting against it. Everything but my brain, anyway. It continued to yell out in protest, but I could barely convince my lips to allow the words to pass through. While Grant turned the knob, pulling the door towards him, I saw almost blinding light emitting from behind it. I managed to blink my eyes against whatever lay beyond the threshold, but as Ash spoke those same words again, even my eyes fell prey to her will. I'm sorry, mate, but you need to be in control to walk through, even if it's just for a second. He looked deeply into my eyes while we spoke, sounding as though he was calling out from the other side of the block. Only her repetitive words were echoing within my skull, while my friend barely managed to squeak through. I'll fix it when we're clear. Just hang in there, brother. As soon as those words were whispered from a distance, I felt almost unbearable agony erupt from my left arm. Finally, my mind collided with my body again. I shook my head while screaming out against the pain in my bones and my arm had been shattered. I wasn't fully aware of what had caused it, but it had succeeded in bringing me back down from whatever trance Ashley had put me in. Are you here? Grant asked loudly, his words echoing over her seductive wails. I just nodded before my friend pulled me through the doorway he stood directly in front of. In an instant, the sounds of the floor and the walls and the bar vibrating along with the seemingly endless chorus Brandon's girlfriend had been chanting fell silent 
once more. Part 3. Alberson Bridge I was momentarily confused as I stood staring at the closed door to the old barn I now faced. Not only had the almost deafening sounds of what happened at the bar left my ears ringing a bit, but the sun beaming down upon the dry, rotted wood of the ancient shack had my mind reeling. I snapped out of my pensive daze as Grant lay a hand on my arm again, causing my fragmented bones to piece themselves back together in an instant. He just gave me an awkward smile, accompanied by a shrug. He almost reminded me of a kid who just got busted doing something his folks told him not to do. That sort of half-guilty, my-bad sort of look. So, uh, ouch, I said. Did you have to break every bone in the arm? I'd be sure, mate. You only responded to the slap for a second. Didn't exactly have time to experiment. After a bit of an uncomfortable stare-off with Grant darting his eyes from one side to the other in an attempt to avoid making contact with me, I started to crack up. We weren't exactly strangers to bizarre and haunting events, so it didn't take long for me to find the humor in how he had brought me back to my senses. These were the moments that reminded me of how close we'd grown. Regardless of the fact we may as well have been from different planets altogether, we had that same batshit crazy sense of humor. We met in that dingy, awful prison so many years ago, and even there we found reasons to laugh. While we were treated like garbage by our superiors in the factory job, there were always opportunities to have a bit of fun. While I had no doubt I would never see the outside of that haunting building that still wanted to drag me back, even then we laughed in the face of what it had planned for us. Perhaps had it not been for those times, I wouldn't have been able to do so much as giggle after what happened back at that strange little pub, but... I had confidence in the fact that my friend had my back, just as I had his. By this point, we had Ashley still in pursuit, the mysterious Alberson Bridge ahead of us, not to mention the senior Mr. Orchid we hoped to find beyond that place. On top of that, Grant still hoped to find answers to who or what had played the part of Lucifer, someone who was apparently in league with the powers behind that maddening building. It was a lot, but I still tried to take it in stride. It couldn't get much worse than what I had already lived through, right? I didn't ask too many questions while we made our way to the highway just 20 feet or so away from the broken down old barn. I was curious how close we were to the bridge, as well as what our plans were when we got there, but I think I enjoyed the peace of being surrounded by little more than sporadic woods with the occasional vehicle speeding by on the road. After a good 10 minutes of walking, along with my curiosity getting the better of me, I asked Grant about where we were, as well as how we got there. The fact that only moments before we were drinking pints in a bar in downtown Atlanta and now we were seemingly in the middle of nowhere, having left a run-down old barn, had my mind spinning in circles. I'd witnessed my fair share of unusual events through my fairly chaotic life, so I probably shouldn't have been that bewildered by our circumstances, but that didn't make it any simpler. About 50 miles north of Vermont. He replied with a shrug, as though crossing the country through the back door of a pub was a perfectly natural occurrence. And? How'd your bar send us to a barn about 50 miles north of Vermont? I couldn't help but laugh while I repeated the question. Well, 
This is only one of many doors that leads to it, depending on the combination, of course. So, I know this is your line and all, but are you taking the piss? He went on to explain that not only was there a replica of the bar in every major city across the planet, replicas that were in fact the very same tavern we had only just fled from, but the back door was something of a gateway. Not only could it relocate him to just about anywhere in the world, but also to many different planes of existence. I still couldn't quite wrap my mind around it, but at least he didn't talk shit about how ridiculous British slang sounded coming out of my mouth. Within close to half an hour of our hike from the broken down old barn, we found ourselves standing right alongside the time-worn street labeled Alberson Road. When Grant knelt to begin the removal of his shoes and socks, I followed suit. In some ways, I was more nervous about potentially walking barefoot for miles than whatever awaited us at the end of the road. Even though I'd spent a great deal of time shoeless in the sand over the past couple of years, I didn't know how well my naked soles would hold up to the occasional jagged rock. Given the fact that every bit of luggage I'd brought along for the road trip was still in the backseat of my Bronco on the other side of the country, I didn't exactly have anywhere to store my shoes after slipping them off my feet. I just tied the laces together, hung them around my neck like a leathery necklace, and shoved my socks in my pocket. Grant gave me a smirk and did the same thing with his. Once we get to the bridge, we should be able to put them back on. Just watch where you step, yeah? He gave me a chuckle, gesturing to my wiggling toes with the tilt of his head. It was another one of those times where I wasn't entirely sure if he had somehow peeked into my thoughts or just knew me well enough to know where my head was at. After one more nod to confirm I was good to go, we set off down the road in pursuit of the elusive bridge, during which my friend regaled me with a bit of background knowledge on the unusual bridge. Where we're headed is not a place you'll find any maps, mate. Yeah. There'll be an occasional car driving down the road before cutting on to the next one up, but the second we cross through barefoot, we're not on the same road anymore. For all we know, there could be a veritable convoy speeding down Alberson Road as we speak, but they'd be no more aware of us than we are of them. He was speaking as casually as if he was giving me directions to a local flea market while fishing a pack of cigarettes in the pocket of his cargo shorts, inspiring me to do the same. The only town nearby is some miles away, and many who live there are well aware of the existence of the bridge. Once in a while, a carload of curious teens or even some sort of paranormal investigator will come out this way, but even if they do know how to get there, they'll never be inclined to walk any further once they reach it. I won't even attempt to claim everything he was saying was quite registering with me, but he most certainly kept my interest. Were it not for his responsibilities, I couldn't help but think he could have made an amazing storyteller had his destiny led him someplace else. The way he spoke, it was impossible not to be pulled into his tales. Sometimes I thought he could just read off the instruction manual for a new vacuum cleaner and make it sound interesting. I can't speak to reasons why those who seek it out feel no desire to walk any further once they've reached the bridge, to tell you the truth. Maybe they're just intoxicated by the beautiful lake running beneath it, or perhaps somewhere in the back of their minds they can sense the dangers beyond. Of course, some have managed to go on, leaving their cars deserted by the open road until they were moved. To my knowledge, 
There haven't been many who've crossed over in what lies beyond that bridge, but rarely do they make it back. Dangerous, I asked, suddenly feeling a little more hesitant. Grant had asked me to stay behind. Can't deny that. Of course, I assumed that was more related to the fact that we were in search of Orchid Senior, not that the road to get there would be somewhat perilous. With how casually he talked about people essentially going missing, never to be found again, I had to wonder how Orchid's goons had managed to come and go as they pleased. If nothing else, the knowledge that hired guns would be able to go back and forth made me feel far more confident that I had nothing to worry about, especially with Grant by my side. The moment we crossed onto this road, we entered another plane, another level of reality. You get me? I gave a shrug and a nod to confirm. It made sense, even if this sort of thing was generally above my understanding. On the other side of the bridge, we'll descend a bit further into other realms. For the most part, I can keep you safe, though every plane comes with its own rules, for lack of a better term. It was only then, as the conversation had reached a more serious point, that I realized my friend's accent had reverted to his business voice. That, more so than the topic at hand, was what suddenly inspired my back to tense and my heart to race a bit quicker. It won't be quite as stripped down as it was at the old factory, but I most certainly won't be my full strength either. Not while I'm like this, anyway. He gestured to his body, as though to introduce me to his freshly dry-cleaned meat suit. But I'll need you to stick with me, yeah? Don't wander off. Don't take your eyes off the path ahead and do what I say when I say it. You get me? He stopped in place, turning to face me with something of a stern expression on his face. I get you, man. Just trust me, mate. Always. I gave a less than enthusiastic false smile, accompanied by another shrug. I don't know if it was the full-on goofy expression my face wore while my mind still attempted to wrap around what he told me, or just the exaggerated phony grin itself, but Grant burst out laughing. Naturally, I joined in. There we were, my closest friend and I, standing barefoot on a road to a bridge nestled underneath our plane of existence, cackling like freaking idiots under the blistering sun. Though we'd been through almost literal hell together, there was just... Something about being around him that made me revert to the fun-loving child I never had the opportunity to be. Perhaps it was my brutal and anguished childhood that allowed me to find humor in the darker times, but I felt as though that was something we had in common. We were from two different worlds, but it was our scars, I think, that set the seeds for our friendship. Maybe some will never be able to accept that the devil himself was able to change, to become a better and braver person than most. But I know who he really was. He told me once that everything Grant said and did was from him, and I think I never really put all that together in my mind before this. He admitted to me the atrocities he committed so many lifetimes ago. Once the truth came out, he didn't try to portray himself as the hero of the story. Only one who found a better way. I don't care who Lucifer was, but I know who he became. <sighs> Sorry, got off on a tangent again. 
After Grant's laid out a vague idea of some of the dangers ahead, we pushed all that to the side for a time. The walk to the bridge itself probably lasted a good two hours, but we spent the majority of that time cutting up and laughing, just like we always did. We probably went through a pack of cigarettes between the two of us throughout the course of our stroll. A casual observer would have likely thought we were headed to the damn circus, or even that we were wasted on something with how we carried on, but once the last began, there was no stopping them. It was like a damn floodgate of chuckles had busted open, and we couldn't remotely hold them back. I couldn't even remember the last time I'd heard so many buggers, wankers, and tossers in such a short period, but my face was hurting from laughing so much. As soon as we set foot on the wide wooden bridge, it almost felt heavenly to press my soles against the smooth planks as opposed to the rough concrete we'd been strolling across for hours. Grant had not remotely been exaggerating the beauty of the lake beneath. It looked crystal clear and so inviting that I almost gave into the urge to leap over the railing. While he began to slip his socks and shoes back on, I just gazed over the side, taking in the gorgeous water that rippled below us. With how hard the sun had been beaming on us before, I wanted nothing more than to allow the subtle and steadily flowing rapids to guide me wherever they may. I mentioned that very idea to my friend, but he just shrugged and told me that he had no bloody idea where the river led, only that it was likely not our world to explore. Naturally, that only made me more curious, but not enough to act on the impulse to jump. Maybe another day, mate, he said with a smile. I could tell he was as interested as I, but we couldn't afford to distract ourselves from the path ahead, one that I was suddenly feeling quite nervous about. It had been easy enough to speculate about the dangers ahead while we were still on the road, but now that we were in the cusp of it, I was feeling far more apprehensive. Grant sat down upon the planks while I slipped my shoes back on before we lit one final duet of smokes before moving on. Also, I think we both needed to take a minute to rest our aching legs. I can't speak to whether or not he experienced muscle aches or cramps while dressed in this meat suit, but I knew mine felt as though I'd run a damn marathon. We talked a little more as we leaned against the railing, just shooting the shit about potentially taking a more relaxing trip when all this was behind us. We hoped that it may be possible to bring Brandon along for that one too, though whether his girlfriend would be invited was still up for debate. It did reawaken that sadness within me while we spoke of my housemate and business partner, but I wasn't about to rule out bringing him back home. Not yet, anyway. When Grant's knees and back popped and cracked as he got back to his feet, I couldn't help but smile when mine did the same. It would seem that we were indeed more alike than I had thought, or it was simply the effect of the rules of different planes, as he had said. As we slowly paced to the end of the bridge, we pinched the cherry of our cigarettes off before sliding the butts into our pockets. I just did what he did on his, as I did not quite know if snuffing out a smoke on a bridge such as the one we were on would be acceptable or not. Grant stopped right at the very last plank before we could walk onto the concrete on the other side. I just looked at him while he gazed down what lay beyond. Of course, all I could see ahead of the bridge was more forest-lined road, not much different than the path we walked to get here. Still, I wasn't about to move until he did, but 
His hesitation was making me far more nervous than if he'd just screamed for me to run at the top of his lungs. Ready? He said after a heavy sigh. As I'll ever be. Stay close to me. Keep your eyes on me at all times, no matter what you hear. If we do get split up, don't shout. Don't stop moving. But do not run. You with me? Yeah. I'm with you, brother. He gave me a single nod before stepping one foot upon the concrete. With that lone footstep, his whole body suddenly appeared blurry and out of focus almost. For a split second, I damn near allowed myself to give in to the burgeoning panic, but I managed to keep my cool. Without giving it a second thought, I placed my foot on the road beyond the bridge, but when my friend suddenly came back into focus, everything else around us was not as I expected to see at all. It felt and looked as though we were fighting our way through a horrendous hurricane. Given the fact that I had lived on a beach for two years, I was no stranger to how brutal such storms could be, but I'd never experienced anything like this. It was similar to those scientific experiments, making tornado effects with smoke. The fog was thick, but also lined in an almost turquoise haze, with the wind violently slicing through it in one direction or another. I felt my body sway and shift, threatening to send my barely controllable footsteps in any direction but the one my friend was going in. Even though he was only a foot or two ahead of me, he was hard to see through the rippling mists, as well as the thick bolts of rain beating against and around me. I wanted to call out or even just scream to convince myself I was still in control, but I was warned that'd be a bad idea. I couldn't say what the reasoning was behind this request, but I didn't need to know that, only that I shouldn't under any circumstances. I was unsure how long we'd have to travel before we reached whatever our destination was to be, but I sure could maintain this for long. It almost felt like trying to walk through waist-deep water, with the tide plowing the waves against me. Every single step required such effort. I was already winded from the short distance we'd walked so far. Though Grant had told me to keep my eyes on him, I had to fight against the urge to look around me and up to the sky. There were flashes of near-blinding light emitting from all around me, inspiring me to seek out its source, but I did what was asked of me. Well, I... I did it first, anyway. Something that seemed like lightning blasted against the ground only feet from where I pushed through the storm. My head turned before I had a chance to stop it. That's when I noticed the shadows. There were so many that my eyes couldn't even register them all, each one looking as though it was flailing its limbs against the wind and the rain. It was like being in the middle of a parade or something, as mine was the only one of so many faces in the crowd. Of course, I couldn't make out any details. Something about these silhouettes felt not entirely human. I couldn't exactly put a finger on it, aside from the fact that they looked nothing more than darker and thicker chunks of otherwise wispy and grayed fog. There were so damn many of them, just weaving in and out of one another's path as if this was some bustling city street. I could tell that there were some closer than others, but even the ones I felt as though I could reach out and touch looked as though they had no actual physical mass. I flashed back to when my friend and I were blindfolded in the woods during the Orchid Grand Festival, and I broke my staring eyes away from those whose company we shared to see no sign of the man I'd been attempting to follow. 
I felt my heart skip with the realization I did not simply have the option of removing my helmet this time. I just stopped in place, cutting my gaze in every direction. I had been keeping up the same pace while I investigated my surroundings, so I was sure he couldn't have gone too far away from me. Of course, this was a rational thought, one that couldn't quite make a dent in my chaos-fueled fear at the time. He told me not to scream out, not to yell and draw attention to myself, but I hoped I could at least talk. I couldn't hear anything but the calamity of the storm around me, but I hoped my friend would be able to hear me. Grant, where are you? Only a crack of lightning responded to my words, once more striking the ground only feet from where I stood. I can't say if there was some sort of shock wave from the blast beside me or that it simply scared the shit out of me, but I almost leaped to the other side, stumbling to the ground. I pressed my palms to what I had assumed to be concrete to find a texture I'd never felt before. It was warm and sticky, flexible but firm. I had to peel my hands away from it, but it left no residue on my skin. In a way, it felt as though I'd been walking down the esophagus of some enormous creature, but I battled against allowing that visual imagery to sink in. I finally pushed back my feet before beginning to walk again, still speaking my friend's name over and over with each step. I wasn't entirely sure if I was even going in the right direction anymore, but I knew I had to keep moving. After walking for another few minutes, I felt my shoulder bump against something, almost sending me back to the ground. Whatever I hit let out some sort of grunt, though it almost caused my stomach to churn in a way the sound vibrated against the howling wind. Another hit from the side pushed me to a third from the right again, and I suddenly understood how a pinball must feel as it bounced from one obstacle to the next. I was no longer following the isolated path, but the more crowded section of the street it would seem. Regardless of the fact, I was now making regular contact with whatever the silhouette things were. I could still make out no more than their somewhat deformed and inhuman shadows as I bounced from one to another. There were so many of them that I had no way of getting clear before they ran to my shoulders and arms into another. I had no doubt I'd strayed from the path my friend hoped to guide me down, nor did I believe myself to have hope of finding it again. That was until I felt a hand grip the top of my left shoulder. This way, mate. A voice I hoped belonged to Grant said directly into my ear. Though the words he spoke assured me that it was indeed who I hoped it was, the vocal tones sounded almost gargled and strained. At the time, I chalked it up to being no more than the effect of the bizarre acoustics of this place, but when he began to push me in a different direction than the one I'd been almost blindly following, I got a little more at ease with the fact that he was guiding me back to the right pathway. I'm sorry, mate. I should have done this from the beginning. No, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I got distracted. I know you told me. No worries. You're going to be just fine now. As the crowd of shadows began to thin out, I hoped we were nearing the end of our journey. Even the thick fog was beginning to dissipate as the storm calmed around us. I breathed a heavy and grateful sigh that this whole ordeal may finally be reaching its end when I was able to make out what appeared to be some sort of unusually shaped building ahead. It looked tall, but quite thin. It leaned to one side at the base before shifting dramatically to the right in the middle. As we got closer, I realized it was not a structure, but a massive tree with a cavern-like entrance facing us. See? The voice spoke, sounding graveled and almost ancient. 
I told you we'd make it. The hand on my shoulder spun me around to look up at what led me away from the crowd of shadows. Mate. I could not hold back the scream that breached my lips as I looked upon the twisted face of what was certainly not my closest friend. It looked like some sort of stitched together puppet made of flesh. What appeared to be meaty twigs and glossy red fibers pushed through the splits of the uneven threads holding it in one piece. It had thick and curly hair on the left while the right was bald as a cue ball where another stream ran down the center of its face. One eye was twice as large as the other while the wide mouth reached from just below the long and slanted nose to where more yarn hung from where the crease of its smirk touched an upside down ear. It looked taller than me, but hunched over, bringing us to eye level. The rags of clothing it wore were just pieced together as almost every inch of its body. The left arm hung significantly lower than the right, while more of those sticks jabbing through the gaps between the stitches. Don't scream, Michael. You're safe now. As it forced its mouth to smile even wider, the yarn holding its lips together to the smaller side popped, causing the lower lip to split and hang open like an unbuttoned pair of pants. I tried to back away, not caring if I would just have to haul ass back to the crowd of God knows what, but my first motion, it grabbed onto my shoulder again. It began to drag me toward the opening in the tree, regardless of the punches I was landing against the almost plush-feeling skin of the arm that pulled me along. Finally, as it set one parody of a human foot across the threshold of the mouth into the darkened cavern, I rammed my fingers through the wide stitches of the forearm that held onto me. It wailed a howling shriek as I spread across the loosely tied flesh, pouring the slick roots and fibers across the ground. I kicked against the midsection of the thing as I yanked myself away from it, tearing the remaining strips of skin and meaty strands with the hand still latched onto me. I wasted no times before sprinting away, leaving it echoing its anguished screams as it gathered up its bits and pieces from the sticky ground. I peeled the disembodied hand from my shoulder, tossing it to one side as soon as I got loose. I ran until the thick mist began to surround me once more, attempting to scale the outskirts of it like a wall, with the storm echoing around me once more. After reminding myself of Grant's words, I slowed my pace hoping that my moment of weakness had not drawn any further attention. I kept on that route for what felt like 10 to 20 minutes, trying to control my pants and whispers so as not to alert anyone else to my presence. As I plundered onward, I noticed a subtle light through the fog, something I was not sure whether or not to seek out. Even with the bright stabs of lightning breaching through the sky above, that soft glow remained constant. Whether or not this would bite me in the ass, I made the semi-conscious decision to head towards it. The closer I got, the more I grew aware of the sound emitting from it. Though I was still on the outskirts of the storm, I could make out little more than the cracks of thunder and splashing of the thick droplets of rain beating against me and the ground. But as the light grew brighter, the louder the concerned voice of a cocky limey calling out my name sounded. Regardless of the vibrations of the thick air distorting everything else around me, the words calling out to me were unmistakably coming from my friend. I took no hesitation in speeding toward the light until I could finally make out a shape holding his glowing hand above his head. I practically tackled him, not so much as slowing down for a second until I wrapped my arms around him. I thought I'd lost you, mate. 
he said, folding his shivering arms around my back. I thought you did too, I replied, attempting to force out a falsified chuckle. Part 4. Beyond the Storm Through the remainder of our journey through the madness of what lay beyond Alberson Bridge, I filled Granton on how I'd gotten myself lost, along with what I had to fight against to reach him again. It would seem that once we got through what he called the worst of it, the rest was pretty easy going. The fog finally dissipated completely, as did the raging storm. I could still hear the thunder and see the flashes of lightning illuminating the world around us, but I felt my feet clapping against the concrete again before I knew it. Though I was tempted to pry more, I chose not to ask what else may be out there in that place, as I planned not to take my eyes off him on the return trip. We walked side by side, as opposed to the follow-me technique that didn't work out so well. And though my heart was still in overdrive of what I'd experienced back there, I felt so much more at ease now that I was with Grant once more. Even before I knew who he was, I still felt more assured when I was around him. I suppose that's just the effect of being in the presence of a dear and trusted friend. When the sky began to darken as though we'd strolled into the middle of a moonless night, Grant flashed his cigarettes out of his pocket once more. I took that as my cue that it was now safe to light one up myself, and that alone inspired my pulse to regulate a little more. Not at all am I endorsing smoking, boys and girls, but for a nicotine addict, it's like a damn breath of fresh air, and God knows I needed it after what I'd been through. We're close now, mate. (laughs) Yeah? Close to what, exactly? That, he said pointing toward the almost Scooby-Doo-inspired mansion on the hill off in the distance. That's the end of the road. If Orchid's out there, that's where he'll be. So, any ideas of what to expect when we get there? Not sure, but don't fret, mate. We got this, yeah? (laughs) If you say so. I gave a fairly forced chuckle, to which Grant returned that cocky smirk. If nothing else, his demeanor didn't seem tense or scared, but he was a hell of a lot less breakable than I. Still, he'd brought me back from the brink of death before, so that wasn't for nothing. Yes, I was pretty fucking terrified. I won't even attempt to lie about that fact. If someone chose to live in a place that could only be accessed by going through whatever the hell that was back there... I can only assume they were more intimidating than anything that surrounded us during that storm. I can't deny the little voice in the back of my head was quite pissed at me for not jumping at the chance to let Grant do this alone, but I knew it was the right call. No matter what power he possessed, nor the fact that I had none except for being quite adept at kicking some ass, nobody should have to face something like this alone. He was the best friend I ever had, and I'd be damned if I would let him face this without me by his side. As we drew closer to the ominous building, the fairly wide-open space narrowed down. Blackened and almost foreign-looking trees lined the paved road we walked on. With Grant's nod, we moved closer to the tree line, which gave me a better view of what we were facing. The mansion itself looked to be about three floors tall, not counting any potential lower levels. The walls were jet black, not indifferent from the very place we were seeking answers to, though they were not the same glossy and almost organic in appearance. 
There was a tall, ironwork fence surrounding a wide-open area of the house, with a fair amount of armed guards patrolling back and forth. It would seem the senior Mr. Orchid was somewhat paranoid, especially given the unique location in which he lived. I couldn't help but think that such extraordinary security measures were put in place to protect him from the very man whose company I shared. I found myself wondering how much Orchid knew about the being who sentenced his son to early damnation, or the circumstances of how he left this world. Well, the world we left behind when we entered Alberson Road. I assumed he may not have any actual idea of who truly sought him out, as he had only sent a handful of hired guns to deal with us, but that could have been no more than a trap. Maybe he was well aware of the true identity of Grant Bailey, having sent a few pawns to essentially make us think we had the upper hand. Of course, it could very well be that I was overthinking things again, as I tend to do. Admittedly, I was quite paranoid myself with everything the Orchid family had already put us through. So, I wasn't about to let my guard down, not with the eleventh hour approaching. We crouched down only fifty feet or so from the tall and hauntingly elegant gate. While I studied the movements of the guards as well as any potential openings to reach the building, I noticed Grant was acting strangely. I had to cover my mouth to prevent the gasp from escaping when I turned to see him with the forefinger and thumb of his right hand pierced through the flesh of his left forearm. Before I had the chance to inquire as to what the hell he was doing, he pulled a blood-stained key from under his skin. As he wiped the blood from the small, simple key across the leg of his shorts, I watched the hole in his arm seal back shut. No matter what I had witnessed since I met him, those were sights I don't think I'd ever get used to. Once the stains had been cleansed from the treasure he had pulled from his flesh, he held it out toward me. I gave him a puzzled look but held my hand out nonetheless. I was quite surprised when the metal didn't feel remotely sticky when he dropped it into my outstretched palm, considering where it had been previously located, but I was still very uncertain what this was all about. If anything goes wrong in there, anything at all, he said, gesturing toward the house looming over us. Slide that key to any lock. Doesn't matter if it's a door, a closet, or a bloody cabinet. As long as you can fit through it, it'll take you back to the pub. You got me? Grant, I'm not going to leave. Please, mate, I need you to agree to this. The expression he wore while he stared deeply into my eyes was one I'd only seen maybe once before. There was fear behind his gaze, something that instantly caused my heartbeat to quicken once more. I still couldn't quite find the words, as I could not imagine any scenario in which I would flee not only from my friend, but the only person who had ever had a chance of protecting me against the things I could not wrap my head around. Michael, he said, devolting back to his business voice again. I have no idea what we may face in that place. My words were still frozen in my throat. I was already scared, but seeing the anguish in Grant's face escalated that fear tenfold. I cannot and will not put you in harm's way. Something I've exposed you to far more than I ever wanted to. I need your word, mate. That's the deal, yeah? You do what I say when I say it. I just nodded my head, though I can't exactly say I fully intended to do what he asked. 
That was until he gripped his hands around my shoulders, something that still flashed my mind back to the day my father tossed me through my bedroom window. The fact that my friend knew all about that only made me realize how serious he was about this. If I tell you to run, please, Michael, I need your word that you will find the nearest lock, use the key to get to the pub, and don't look back. Make sure you remove the key and close the door behind you. I cut my eyes from him to stare at the key I held. It felt like an excuse to look away for a moment. Do you trust me, Michael? I lifted my head again, seeing the intensity having left his face, replaced with an all-too-familiar smirk. With my life, I said with an accepting nod. What you say, when you say it, you have my word, brother. Good man. He gave me a wink, accompanied by a click of the tongue, one of those things that felt like something only the English could pull off the right way. I slipped the key into my pocket, which I would pat or grope regularly to ensure it remained in place over what was to come. I still hoped it would not come down to it, but I'd given him my word. That was something I would never break, not to him. My skin was still trembling, but I had more faith in my friend than I ever had in anyone. I imagine that may yet seem bizarre, considering who he is, though even to this day I can't see Grant as anyone other than the strong and kind-hearted person I knew. Nothing would ever change that, not to me. So, I said, staring out the security staff, pacing back and forth. What's the plan? How do we get in there? Front door, mate. You're not serious. What about the guards? You're not gonna... I felt my words catch in my throat once more when I turned to see Grant with his eyes tightly shut. His jaw was clenched while his hands were both balled into fists. While I heard the first one drop to the ground, I whipped my head around once more. I felt my jaw droop almost lifelessly as every one of the guards fell out one after the other. What? Did you... I mean, they're not... They're not dead, mate. Just sleeping it off. He was panting heavily when he spoke, which, given the fact that I'd witnessed him snapping forty fingers backward without so much as breaking a sweat, left me a little perplexed. Just give me a minute, yeah? You okay, man? I'm good. Ironically, it would have taken far less of toll to kill those buggers. He said to laugh, still breathing heavily. <laughs> much more tricky to knock him out for a bit. More focus, you know. Nope, <laughs> I said, returning his chuckle. I don't know, but I'll take your word for it. After a few minutes, his breathing regulated and he rolled his neck and climbed back to his feet. I followed his lead again as we casually strolled toward the tall gate before he convinced it to open with a simple flick of his wrist. The hinges screamed, causing a chill to run from the base of my spine to the top. As strange as it may sound, I was almost hoping for some stealthy maneuvering or even something of a fight with the guards to get in. No, I wasn't exactly rooting for any potential harm to come to either of us or the ample security team, but I was in favor of it taking us some time to find a way into the house. Even if more delays would have inevitably led to my body growing considerably more exhausted than it already was, I wasn't entirely prepared to come face to face with whoever or whatever we would meet in those quiet, eerie-looking walls. 
As we approached the twin doors that led into the building, I cranked my neck up to truly take in the size of the place. Though it appeared to be a good-sized mansion from where we hid behind, the trees there were most certainly a sense of dread taking root in the pit of my stomach as I took in the sheer magnitude of it. Sure, it was a little more than a ratty old shack compared to the gargantuan behemoth of a building the old factory led us to, but I still couldn't shake the foreboding of entering such a place of our own free will. Once more, Grant waved the double doors ajar, and I found my eyes meeting another wide-open room with a winding staircase on either side of the back wall. It almost appeared as though the owner of the house had modeled its design on that maddening place we almost lost our lives to. Even the inner walls were painted a similar glossy black, though they didn't seem to harbor life. Not as far as I could tell, anyway. Well, this is unsettling, Grant said, giving me a sideways look. I just nodded, finding my voice hidden behind my thumping heartbeat. So, Grant said with a mischievous smile, up or down? No idea. I said, but this guy seems to be like a top-floor kind of fella. From what I could tell from the lobby area, there appeared to be only two or three floors above us. I exhaled a grateful sigh when my eyes met the ceiling of the house and not an endless stream of upper levels. I found the place almost unnervingly quiet, as though we were its only occupants at the time. I knew better than to allow myself that false sense of security, but given the abundance of guards on the exterior, I was quite surprised to find nobody awaiting us inside, not on the ground floor anyway. The floor creaked beneath my soft footsteps, something that caught me off guard, given the vast wealth of who I assumed owned the place. Even Grant wore a puzzled look while we crept toward the staircase on the back left, with the floor panels lightly squealing with every step. We were only halfway across the room when a voice bellowed from a speaker somewhere above us. Welcome, Mr. Bailey and Mr. Borden. I could have been imagining it, but I swear the voice sounded identical to that of Jensen Orchid. Someone I knew could not be here. Of course, it's not hard to believe that a father and son could have similar mannerisms, but I suppose I expected the senior Orchid to have much more aged and weathered tone. If anything, he sounded almost lively and carefree in the way he spoke. Quite the impressive job with my exterior guards, I must say. It would seem that at least some of the rumors are true, though I'm well aware you are not who you claim to be, Mr. Bailey. You ain't seen nothing, Orchid, I yelled out far more arrogantly than I had a right to be. Grant just wrapped his fingers around my arm along with a subtle nod. I just shrugged and returned a slightly ashamed smile. And who is it that I claim to be? My friend asked aloud, having reverted to his business voice again. You tell me. Is it Grant Bailey from Liverpool, England, or is it Lucifer himself? Either way, if you will forgive my crudity, you're full of shit on both counts. Is that right? Grant asked. You have gifts, my boy. I cannot deny that, but... You are no devil. And what makes you so sure, Mr. Orchid? Silly boy, the voice said with a condescending chuckle. I happen to know the real Lucifer quite well. She's a close friend of mine, as a matter of fact. Perhaps you could introduce us, then. We could clear all this up face to face. There was no response. Not yet, anyway. 
Grant had that same intense look on his face that he wore when studying the friendly goon, Mr. Green, some years back. I knew this expression was not one of mild curiosity, but desperation to get to the root of something. Deep into the guts, the mystery at hand. My heart was still jackhammering behind my sternum while my thoughts were all over the place. Why, if he knew we had rendered his security team unconscious, would he allow us to just walk right through the front door? For what reason was he essentially shooting the shit with us over an intercom? If he was so certain that my friend wasn't what I knew him to be, why was he just casually throwing that out there? I could barely focus on one question before another leaped from the back of my mind to the front. Tell you what. The disembodied voice said after a short delay. If you can make it to the top floor where I happen to be located, I'll introduce you. She's here then, Grant asked with a slight smirk. Again, there was no response. Mr. Orchid! Grant shouted, but there was still no reply. He's fucking with us, I said. If nothing else, at least we have an answer to the up or down debate, he said, gesturing toward the steps. And with him being so damn cocky, you know he's going to have some traps set up or something. Nothing we can't handle. Just stay behind. My friend did not have a chance to finish asking me to keep the rear before the floor fell out from beneath us. In that split second of feeling my body become weightless as it soared downward, I just knew that this was the end for me. I was so mentally checked out at that point. I had no idea how far we'd fallen before Grant wrapped his arms around me, allowing his body to take the full force of the quickly halted descent to the ground below. Even with my friend providing life-saving padding for my far more fragile frame, I blacked out as soon as we hit. You alright, mate? I was still incredibly dazed when I came to with my friend's worried face being the first thing I saw when I opened my eyes again. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for saving my ass yet again. I chuckled as I sat up, straightening my back while trying to gather my bearings. He just gave me a wink, reaching his hand out to help me back to my feet. How long was I out for? Just a couple of minutes. It had me worried, though. I looked around to take in the new and unfamiliar surroundings. We stood in the center of a drab and dank wide circular room with four simple wooden doors, one to the front and rear of where we were facing and one on either side. The rounded walls looked to be constructed of smooth rock, while the ground beneath our feet was no different from the concrete pavement we'd walked barefoot across for what felt like so many hours before. The ceiling was high above and I couldn't see any signs of the opening we had dropped through, only more seamless gray slightly hidden behind the darkness. There was no direct source of light, but it was bright enough for us to see our surroundings clearly enough. Fucking orchids love their damn games, don't they? Probably the only way those pompous tossers can get their bloody rocks off. With the uncertainty of which, if any of the doors would lead us to where our host was located, I absentmindedly reached into my pocket for my cigarettes. I offered one to Grant, and we lit up while we debated which theoretical exit to attempt first. With how our surprising drop from somewhere above had caught us both off guard, none of us had any idea which direction we were facing in relation to where we'd entered the house. 
Were we able to decipher which way was which, it would likely aid us in finding our way back to the top, while any other direction could end up leading us away from the house. Of course, those were real-world ideas, and not those of wealthy, nefarious madmen. I couldn't help but laugh as my inner monologue came up with those very words as they sounded like tropes that belonged in a James Bond movie rather than the life of a regular person. Of course, many aspects of my personal history were far from regular. But you get what I'm saying, right? Maybe we should open all the doors, take a peek in each and go from there, I suggested. Can't hurt. One at a time, though. No telling if there's something nasty waiting directly behind any of them. Good call. I can't say I wasn't nervous when we pulled open that first door, with my mind's eye picturing some pack of wild animals lurking behind or even thousands of gallons of water waiting to be unleashed. When there was no more than a vacant hallway lined with some smooth concrete walls, I allowed myself to release the breath I'd been holding. When the remaining trio was open to reveal the same thing, I let out another sigh as this had brought us no closer to our goal. Bugger me, Grant said, heavily exhaling himself. Each hallway looked to stretch farther than either of us could make out, feeling absolutely nothing to differentiate one from the other. After some back and forth, along with one more smoke for the road, we just decided to begin walking down one at random. As soon as we were only a few feet away from the door, it slammed shut behind us, echoing the sound around where we stood. As I walked back to make a quick check if it may have remained unlocked, I practically fell back as hard to the ground when the thick concrete slab swiftly dropped down before me, sealing any of the other doors away from us indefinitely. Well, I said after spilling a mass of profanities at the top of my lungs, I guess we're going this way, whether we're right or wrong. So, we walked on. We may very well have been headed back toward Alberston Bridge for all we knew, but with any choice in the matter having been locked away behind a damn concrete slab, we could only soldier onwards. If nothing else, it didn't take too long for us to reach the first obstacle in our plight to reach Orchid Senior, as well as whatever secrets he may hold about this good friend Lucifer. You're taking a sodden piss, Grant said aloud, glaring at what lay ahead. The gap in the concrete floor looked to be about 40 to 50 feet long at first glance. The closer we got to it, the grimmer our circumstances appeared. I don't know if it was the long and jagged spikes that lined the base of the pit before us that caught my attention first, or the handful of bodies in varying states of decomposition impaled upon several of them. The gaping hole looked just as deep as it did long, making me wonder if we had made the worst possible choice after all. As I stared at this impossible task with my jaw hanging open once more, Grant was hard at work trying to put a plan together. When he turned his head to the ceiling, I followed his gaze to see a series of small, hand-sized rings dangling some ten feet above us. Each looked to be spaced a good five feet apart, but I couldn't help but feel they were some sorts of a red herring. I knew all too well how much the Orchid family loved to play with lower life forms such as ourselves. I somehow doubted there would be such a simple solution to this. Without a word, Grant pulled off his belt, slung it toward the first hoop, and pulled it right back when the buckle wrapped around it. 
With his first tug, the ring detached on one side, with the other still firmly holding in place. Maybe the one side will be enough to hold us, he said with a shrug. Or just hanging on by a thread, too, I replied. It didn't take us long to roll out scaling the pit from above. When I noticed the ladder reaching out the far end of the hole, I gave my friend a nudge, gesturing towards it. We both got down on all fours, peering over the side to see if there were another on the side that we were on. Of course not, I said with an aggravated sigh. Maybe we could drop down this side, work around the spikes, and climb out the other, Grant replied. I don't know, man. Even if there's any space between the spikes, there's a hell of a distance to drop and over the best. We glanced down at the pit again, seeing that there was some space in between, but with the angle we were looking from, as well as how deep and dark the very base of the hole was, there was no way of knowing for sure. The last thing we needed was to somehow work our way down there and end up trapped with no way out. Again, we began to puzzle this out, though our options were quite slim. Of course, when the rumbling came from behind us, I grew far more aware that we may well be shit out of luck on this one. As soon as I felt the ground shake, we both spun in place to see the concrete slab that hid our other options away from us, steadily creeping in our direction, effectively giving us maybe minutes to figure out something before we would be pushed into the pit. Shit, I said. What the hell are we missing? Maybe the simple fact that the buckle wants us dead. Grant said almost nonchalantly. No, they're like games. Even as sick as those bastards are, they wouldn't put us in a no-win situation. They're fucking with us, man. There's always a punchline. Or a test. Huh? He believes his associate to be the devil, but he has his doubts, I suspect. What would you think to be one of the defining aspects of Lucifer to someone such as our dear Mr. Orchid? I, I, I don't know. Uh, what? Horns? Uh, forked tail? Pitchfork? Okay, A, that's racist. And two, everyone knows the devil is evil. So what? Are you supposed to, like, throw me in the pit to get by or something? He just shrugged as though this was such a simple and easy solution to our problems. <sighs> Come on. Seriously? No, made him not throwing you in the bloody pit, but I do believe it's a sacrifice scenario. With the slab edging steadily closer, my brain feebly attempting to wrap itself around what Grant was saying, I found my thoughts interrupted when my friend pushed me against the wall. He had me pinned by the arms, and I found myself momentarily freaked out by the fear that he may indeed have to toss me over to get by until... We have to put on a bit of a show, mate. He whispered into my ear while I fought to get free from his grasp. You think he's watching? Of course he is. I don't see any cameras, but I have no bloody doubt he's well aware of every move we make. You better pull your punches, I said, trying not to chuckle at the absurdity of having to stage a play for our overseer. He just gave a slight wink before slugging me in the gut. Fortunately, he had indeed held back, but it still caught me by surprise. After I buckled over, falsely choking and gasping for breath, I reared my hand back and punched him across the face. He backhanded me, almost causing me to lose my balance for a second as we were still close to the edge. Grant instantly reacted when he noticed my foot slip a little, pulling me back by the collar and headbutting me, just as any self-respecting Manchester United fan should be able to do. 
I stumbled back to the wall, thrusting my foot up to meet his midsection, causing him to hunch over and ram his head into my stomach. We were making sure to echo a resounding oof or arrr with each hit and every swing. In my head, it felt like a poorly choreographed fight scene acted out by some amateur improv group, but I hoped it looked real enough to our audience. Of course, I still wasn't entirely sure what the point of all this was until Grant tackled me, landing us both on the floor right beside the ledge. When we get back up, you gotta push me over the side, he whispered. What? No, I, I can't. It'll be okay, mate. One of us has to go in, and no offense, but I bounce back a lot better than you do. Honestly, I couldn't argue. He had a point. I'd watched him get drilled full of bullets without even losing track of what he was saying, but I still winced at the idea of throwing him to what would surely be certain death for any normal person. My whole body was beginning to shudder at the very thought of what he told me to do, but I had no doubt he knew this is what had to be done. Okay, but I'll be fine, mate. You trust me, yeah? Always. With that, we wrestled back to our feet while Grant spun me in a place with his back facing the gaping mouth of the pit. We still gave false jabs at one another, even when the concrete slab only ten feet or so where we stood. He gave me a subtle nod to let him know the time had come. Though my back was as tense as the wall that was edging closer by the second, I couldn't help but take such a rare opportunity to have a bit of fun with the morbid act I was being forced to commit. This, I said, allowing my slight smirk to creep across my lips. Don't. Is, I felt a laugh attempt to rise within me, but forced it down behind the intense and angered expression I gave my closest friend. Mate, don't you fucking... Sparta! As I screamed out, I stepped back with one foot, thrusting the other into his gut, sending him careening over the side. Wanker, I heard him say before I watched an especially thick and jagged spike breach from his chest, spurting blood across the walls and onto the floor of which I stood. For a moment, I felt my heart stop. My breath caught in my throat while my head felt dizzy. Even when Grant ever so slightly raised his middle finger from the arm that hung limp beside him, my gun still churned at the sight of him just dangling there with his chest cavity spread wide. The vibration of the ground fell still as the slab stopped in place, maybe four or five feet from my back. A moment later, I felt another shuddering beneath me as a slender bridge began to work its way from my side of the pit to the one we'd quite literally fought to reach. My legs were still trembling as I carefully paced across the slim walkway, but I felt the tension in my neck begin to release when I saw Grant pulling himself up the spike that ran through him. By the time I got to the other side, he was already reaching from one of the sharp prongs to the next, having freed himself from the one that would have surely laid anyone else to rest. If Orchid was indeed watching from some monitor up in his tower, I imagine he would be quite befuddled by the sight of the man he thought to be an imposter climbing up the ladder to stand beside me once more. That alone gave me just as much satisfaction as seeing what was once a grizzled and bloodied gaping hole in Grant's chest having sealed itself back shut. Sparta, he said, nudging me with his elbow, wearing an expression not unlike that of an exhausted parent. 
I just shrugged, unable to quite locate the words while he patted down his shirt as though he were wiping dust away as opposed to adjusting the giant rip down the center. We both gave one final glance at the large pit while lighting a fresh cigarette, before moving onward once more. We couldn't know what little surprises the elder Mr. Orchid had in store for us next, but I was certain our seemingly endless day was far from reaching its conclusion. Part 5. A Face from the Past We only had to walk for another few minutes after leaving the pit behind before we came across yet another decision to be made. We just stopped in place, staring at the staircase leading upwards to our right as well as the hallway that continued onward. On one hand, it would make the most sense to climb the steps as we'd hoped to find our way back up to the house in which orchids surely lingered still. Of course, the fact that seemed the easiest and the most logical choice was the exact reason we were hesitant to settle on it. We talked over it for a few moments before the floor began to vibrate beneath our feet again, likely signifying the pursuing concrete slab was on its way once again. That alone was enough to convince us to head up, because we thought it would be the lesser of two prospective evils, but simply because we were both tired of rushing every damn second based on a chunk of rock at our backs. As soon as I set my foot on the first step, it began to retract, inspiring both of us to sprint up the stairs. I, for one, would have preferred a slower approach to check things out, but it would seem every move we made was on a timer of one kind or another. As we both practically leaped through the opening above, we found ourselves surrounded by darkness, except for the light still glowing from the gap in the concrete ground. Naturally, that stuffed out when the opening to the door below sealed itself shut, leaving us unable to see a damn thing. I could feel my chest getting tight again while my breathing grew more erratic with the fear of what else may be sharing the darkness with us. It would seem I had a moment of forgetting whose company I shared at the time, not dissimilar to how Orchid had underestimated him to begin with. When the light beamed from my friend's hand, just as it had in the foggy and blurred landscape of the space between Alperson Bridge and the house we fought to return to, I managed to regulate my pulse finally. Have I ever told you I love you, man? I said, wiping the sweat from my brow, chuckling nervously. He just gave me another one of those tongue-click winks while cutting his eyes around our new location. From what I could make out, we looked to be in some sort of parking garage. For a moment, I thought we may very well have walked a good distance away from the house, having chosen the wrong direction in the circular room we fell into. I can't say it felt as though we'd walked particularly far before we came across the spiked pit, but I had long since abandoned logical reasoning of the natural world when it came to circumstances like these. Though the light Grant produced from his hand was enough to illuminate a good 20 feet around us, it still felt quite eerie being surrounded by so much emptiness, except for the occasional vehicle here and there. You know anything about how iron cars? I asked, thinking a ride could make a quick work of whatever this task had in store for us. He didn't reply. He only appeared quite distracted while he stared around the place as though he was looking for something specific. That's what the expression on his face implied to me, anyway. 
Regardless of the years that we'd been friends, as well as how often I could read him like an open book, there were often times I had not the slightest idea what was going on in his mind. Are you okay, man? I asked. What's got you so spooked? I know this place, Michael. I can't say whether the fact he spoke in his business voice or that he still appeared so on edge had me the more unsettled, but either way, I was most certainly more nervous about our surroundings than I had been at first. When Graham began to walk across the mostly vacant parking lot, still looking as though he was in something of a daze, I followed behind him. I tried to pry more into why he was acting this way, but it was as though my words didn't even register with him at the time. As he paced toward a dusty, cherry-red convertible 57 Chevy, he stroked his hand across the driver's side fender, carving a fine ditch in the thick dust. The way he regarded the old car looked as though he was laying his eyes on an old friend for the first time in years. He pulled the door open, sitting down at the helm, causing a cloud of dust to blow up and around him as he planted down into the seat. I still just stood in place in front of the vehicle when the glow from his hand dissipated, briefly returning us to darkness. I heard the rumble from the engine when he cranked it up, before once more illuminating the wide open space with the bright headlights. He still looked so mentally vacant while he sat in place with the door ajar beside him, just gazing at the dashboard. He ran his fingers across the steering wheel while pressing his foot down on the accelerator pedal. The exhaust coughed and sputtered before the hum of the engine regulated, bringing something of a distant yet warm smile to his face. Grant, you alright, man? He just nodded, still wearing that almost melancholy grin. He gave his head a brief and subtle shake before looking back at me, tilting his head to invite me to sit shotgun. He no longer looked troubled when I took the seat beside him. He just raised his eyebrows up and down while revving the engine more as he closed his door, prompting me to do the same. Let me tell you a story, mate, yeah? <laughs> Go for it. Given the expression both this place and the car we sat in had left on my friend's face, I was a little nervous about what this tale may concern, but at the same time I was quite excited to hear him talk about his past for once. This was probably a good 60 or 70 years ago. Well, it goes back further than that, but this place... His words were cut short by a shrieking howl that almost seemed to cause the walls to shudder. Without even hesitating, as soon as the sound broke out, Grant threw the car into gear and slammed his foot on the floor. I felt my back press against the seat as the wheels gripped on the tarmac after spinning in place for a moment. More howls and almost guttural growls were echoing across the wide area, and even as we sped through the place, the volume of the wails did not lessen. If anything, they sounded to be drawing closer. With every turn, the tires squealed against the pavement, only serving to cause the sounds of whatever was out there to seem even more disturbing. The wind that blew by the speeding car caused plumes of dust to blow behind us as we carried on. When a gargled barking came from possibly only feet behind us, I could only hope our smoke clouds would distract whatever was chasing us down. I realized that was only wishful thinking when we took a hard hit to the left rear fender, causing the wheels to release from the surface of the road for a moment. The squealing of tires bellowed again as we skidded to one side while darting down the ramp to the level below us. 
As we sped to the floor ahead, I cubbed my eyes to the left, briefly catching a glimpse of the beast that was in pursuit. I didn't know if it left my sight so quickly that I didn't have time to make out what it was, or if my mind was so shocked by what it had seen that it would not allow me to register it. By the time the tires bounced onto level ground again, I decided to keep my eyes forward, hopeful we could escape this thing. With every sharp turn, the sound of thick rubberized marks being painted across the tarmac echoed against every wall and the ceiling above. No matter how hard Grant pushed the paddle down, the haunting sounds of those heavy footfalls and wails of the creature seemed to be inching closer and closer. I had no idea what floor we may be on, how many we may have to pass through to escape the parking structure, nor if that would give us more or less a hope of outrunning this thing. Hell, I still had no damn clue how we were God knows how many floors up a damn parking garage when we were underneath a fucking mansion only moments before for that matter. What the hell is that thing? I yelled over the sound of the beast's wails as well as the wind gusting around us. It doesn't have a name. It's not from your world or mine, mate. They travel between, feeding on whatever poor bastards might slip through the cracks. Can you hurt them? Not sure. Different planes, different rules. Another hit set us skidding to one side, spinning us around and slamming hard against the wall, effectively halting our escape. That's when the headlights shone across the beast, bringing it truly into view for the first time. I could only barely catch the scream before it let loose, but I just smacked my hands around my mouth in an attempt to silence it. I wasn't entirely sure why I felt the need to muffle my terrified outcry, but my hands were shuddering violently as they sat upon my face. There we sat, face to face with this monstrosity. It had to be about six feet tall, even propped on its four legs, each ending with two elongated fingers and long, dark claws that looked as though they could slice through solid steel like warm butter. The limbs were packed with bulging, almost human-like musculature. It was completely hairless, but its grayed flesh was glistening as though layered with sweat, which, given how quickly it chased after us, would not be hard to believe. The spine was lined with a row of spikes each of which pierced through the skin of its back. The head of this thing was the most disturbing of all its unique features, being almost human in appearance. The rounded ears on the sides, the upturned button nose on the end of a slightly protruding snout, and even the creased brow across its enlarged eyes. As it wrinkled its lips into a snarl, allowing a trembled growl to breach its mouth, I saw what looked to be rows of needle-like thin teeth, far more numerous than those behind my lips. As we stared on, another two of those things approached from either side of us, inspiring my body to shiver even more violently than it had up until this point. There, Grant said, gesturing toward what looked to be an elevator, maybe a hundred feet across the large open space. At this point, all three of the monstrous beasts weaved around one another, staring at us while pacing back and forth on their muscled legs. It felt like a classic showdown, making me almost giggle at the visual image of a tumbleweed drifting across the space between the front end of the car and the trio of creatures. Of course, laughter was the last thing I could convince my body to do at that time. As soon as we get in within range, you get to that door, yeah? We get to that door, Grant. I'll try to get as close as possible. Just be ready, he said, seemingly ignoring my words. Grant! 
He threw the shifter into neutral, revving the engine while the beast hunched over as though ready to pounce. Grant, seriously, we've got to... Before I could even hope to finish my sentence, I felt my back once more press against the seat as my friend threw it into gear, spinning the wheels in place before practically shooting us forward. The first creature we had seen attempted to ram the front end with its head, ultimately releasing a choked yelp as the bones of its neck gave a loud snap when it made contact. The other two jumped to the side, swatting their elongated limbs at us, one carving its claws across my right shoulder. I screamed at the sound of my shirt and flesh tearing open but would not allow the pain to get through. I turned around in my seat to see the two that leaped to the side already were back in pursuit, while the one that ate the bumper was shifting its neck back into place. Even with the growling of the other two, as well as the howling of the engine, I could still make out the sound of the bones twisting back into the right position, causing my stomach to churn from both sight and sound. I felt as though we were about to plow the car right against the wall with the recessed elevator door before Grant quickly cut the wheels, skidding us to the left while the burning rubber surrounded us in a foul-smelling cloud. Go! Grant yelled as soon as the car came to a halt. I did what he asked and threw my door open, almost stumbling right to the ground as I pushed myself away from the old Chevy. Since he'd gotten us so close, it only took a few seconds to reach the elevator, but I would now be forced to await the doors sliding open. I kept pushing the button as though it would speed the arrival of the elevator while keeping regular glances at my rear. I almost dropped to the ground as the life left from my legs when I turned to see all three of those things leap upon my friend as soon as he stepped out of that car. My jaw trembled and hung limp while I watched the blood spray across the hood of the old car as they reared back with their clawed hands tearing into him one after the other. I couldn't even make him out anymore, only the monstrous grayed flesh of the beast pulling their limbs and crimson-stained faces back, slinging more meaty globs and chunks of grizzled tissue against the surrounding area. I was only vaguely aware of the dinging sound alerting me to the arrival of the elevator as I witnessed the gruesome sight of my friend being ripped apart. With that one high-pitched beep, all six of those darkened eyes met mine as they stopped in place, turning from the meal they'd made of my dearest friend. When I felt the door slide open against me, I just paced back, not breaking my gaze from the trio which was now steadily approaching me. I'm not entirely sure if I pushed the up or down arrow as I was so fixated on the sight of my potential killers moving in, but the door would not slide shut no matter how many times I bounced my finger against the button I wouldn't look at. Finally, with the creatures only a handful of feet away from me, I gave up on my repetitive pressing, just stepping backward until I hit the back wall of the lift. I could swear the one closest to me gave a satisfied smile as its head reached the entrance to the elevator, and I did not doubt that this was the end of the line for me. As my eyes looked deeply into the almost vacant and lifeless ones that gazed back at me, I only hoped it would be quick. I clenched my fist bracing myself for my bloody demise when Oi! echoed across the otherwise deserted parking structure. Just as the beast closest to me turned its head, everything from its muscled upper shoulders to the tip of its little upturned button nose exploded into a mess of thick glossy black blood and slivers of bone, revealing Grant standing only feet behind the two that remained. Didn't your mommy ever tell you to clean your plate after dessert? he said, his shirt in tatters with his flesh still sealing itself back together. 
One of the beasts charged right at him before the snap of his fingers left it in pieces, just as he'd done to its body. The one that remained cowered down, sinking its head almost to the floor as it backed away from me. While Grant casually strolled toward the elevator, it continued to edge away from both of us, whimpering from its trembling mouth. By the time the creature was swallowed by the darkness surrounding the elevator, Grant walked in, turned around, and bounced his fingertip off the button with the upwards arrow. When the door finally slid shut, I exhaled the breath I'd been holding for some time now. As the elevator shuddered and began its slow ascent, Grant leaned up against the back wall alongside me. Why didn't you just do that in the first place? I asked. Don't know, really, he shrugged. Wasn't sure if I could, I suppose. Didn't want to waste any time figuring it out. Oh, I replied, unsure of what else to say, while he laid a hand on my shredded shoulder, mending the torn flesh just as he had his own only moments before. We stood in silence for the remainder of our short trip upward. It wasn't until the elevator stopped, sliding its door to one side again, that I absentmindedly fished my cigarettes out of my pocket, offering one to my friend, as I did not know if his had survived the attack he seemingly could have avoided with little effort. When I stepped through the open door, inhaling my freshly lit smoke, I found I was staring at another glossy black wall, just like those in the room we dropped from some time back. Please extinguish those, the aggravated voice of the senior Mr. Orchid said from a speaker somewhere nearby. Bug off, Grant belted while I outstretched my middle finger proudly, waving it in one direction to the next. Whether or not we were indeed back in the house belonging to the man we sought out, I didn't know at the time. Only that the corridor the elevator brought us to was of similar decor to his home. Regardless of that, we had yet another decision to make as we stood just outside the door as it slid shut again. Left or right? I just looked at Grant with my cigarette dangling from my lower lip, shrugged and asked, Flip a coin? He just glared back at me with a we-are-not-amused look on his face before reaching into his shredded short pocket, producing a sticky-looking gore-lined quarter. He held it out toward me, raising his eyebrows. I gave a quick smirk, holding my hand out for him to drop it into my palm. It landed with a slight splatting sound, instantly adhering to my skin. I almost gagged a bit as I wiped it on my pants, hoping to clear at least a little of the nastiness before giving it a toss. Call it? I said, flipping in the air, before catching it on the back of my hand, covering it with the other. Tails left, heads right, wanker. I couldn't help but laugh at the look on his face. He appeared almost disappointed that the coin hadn't launched itself right through my hand, as well as still irritated by me suggesting the toss of it in the first place. It didn't take long for him to crack up, and our laughter echoed through the hallway we stood in, just as it had the cathedral-like room in which we said goodbye to the younger orchid so long ago. When I finally removed my hand to reveal good old George Washington informing us that we will be going to the right, we dropped our cigarettes to the floor, smearing them out on the likely expensive, classy-looking carpet. Once our brief moment of levity came to a close, we both became silent once more, in anticipation of whatever surprises may lie ahead. The long walk down the hallway momentarily caused my mind to revisit that maddening building, just as it had so many times over the last couple of years. 
There was no doubt that Orchid had modeled this place after the one we hoped to be able to retrieve Brandon from, which gave credence to the idea that this was exactly where we needed to be to find answers. I know who's pretending to be me now, Grant said after a few minutes of silence. Yeah? That parking garage. That's where I thought she died. Clearly I was mistaken on that. Don't you mean you thought that's where you killed me? A pleasant, feminine voice spoke from somewhere ahead. Grant stopped in place. The look on his face was one I'd never seen before. Something sad, almost ashamed, with a sight of shock. He glanced at me with eyes quivering and glassy, a sight that almost caused me to mimic his sorrowful gaze. He turned back to the path ahead, quickening his pace slightly as we walked on. I couldn't tell if it was excitement or anguish that inspired him to move more swiftly toward where the voice had called out from, but I was growing more anxious about finding the truth behind what happened in that parking structure. As we rounded the bend in the corridor, we came to a large room which looked to be some sort of dining area. It appeared somewhat inspired by a restaurant or cafe with a series of circular tables in no particular configuration, each one with between two and four tall chairs surrounding it. Upon one seat in the very center of the room sat a very glamorous and absolutely stunning brunette. She looked around in her late twenties with dark skin, wide and lively bright green eyes, and a half-cooked smile bordering on an arrogant smirk. Her expression was not indifferent to the one I'd seen my friend make so many times over the years. Grant stopped again when he made eye contact with her, while she just stared back at him with a slightly cocky and almost mischievous half-smile. She got to her feet, revealing her long, slinky red dress as it dropped across her bare feet. As she strolled closer to us, I'd realized I'd seen this woman before. She was that very same brunette I'd felt watching me at the bar that night Grant showed up. The night we lost Brandon. Could she have been behind everything from the beginning? Been a long time, Lucy, she said, almost breathing the words more than speaking them in an accent not unlike Grant's business voice. It has indeed, Cutter, he said, gazing into her eyes as though they could swallow him whole. Please don't call me that, sugar. She traced her fingers across the side of his face as they looked upon each other with such awe, it was as though they had both longed for this very reunion. And she gave him another smirk, wrinkling her nose ever so tightly, she tilted her head, gesturing for him to follow her. Grant looked back at me again, before cutting his eyes down to the floor. Again, he looked ashamed, which I can only presume to be due to the nature of their last meeting one in which he had apparently killed her, or thought he had, anyway. Given the fact that he had all but confessed his many atrocities to me before we parted ways some years back, I couldn't quite figure out what it was about this one that made him appear so broken up. Of course, with the way the two of them carried on, it was quite evident there was more to what they were than friendship. As I followed them back to that familiar open lobby area, and to the stairs leading to the next floor up, I had a feeling whatever we had been hoping to find would be revealed soon. That, or something far worse. 
Either way, I could only hope all the madness was reaching its conclusion. For better, or for worse. <laughs>